Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Game day. It's finally here. Jazz haven't played since they won their series back on Wednesday. And now tonight, Tuesday night, a well-rested Jazz team will host Game 1, Round 2. Clippers coming to town. We got a lot on that game for you coming up this morning, uh, later in the hour. You can hear from Clippers coach Tyron Liu and also Donovan Mitchell meeting with the media. So we'll get their takes on game one tonight. Also coming up, we're going to hear from uh, Mark Madsen, UVU basketball coach, former Laker, three-time NBA champion. His take on where this stands with the Jazz and the Clippers and why and the matchups he's going to watch. And we are going to do that for you coming up next. Will the Jazz get a game like the uh, the Nets? You wouldn't think so, right? Did you see the Nets just run the Bucks off the court last night? My gosh. That was, uh, that was embarrassing for the Bucs. I mean, they just didn't compete. Not even in the game. Wouldn't think that's what this is going to look like. Suns also won last night. The Suns got it going in the second half. They were, they were in a hole. They were in trouble. But they got it going and actually ended up winning pretty comfortably against the Nuggets. All right, we'll get to the Jazz and the Clippers game one with Mark Madsen. Coming up next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Time to welcome back Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball coach, former Laker. He joins us now to talk a little NBA playoffs. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So, Mark, how were the first-round picks? Did you nail it? You pick all the higher seeds, you pick a bunch of upsets, and now you feel like you don't know what's going on. No, I mean, look, the Lakers are out. So, so you guys know I didn't nail it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, look, Phoenix played well. Obviously, the Clippers are, are playing at a high level with Kawhi Leonard uh, playing the way he is. So it's been it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to see just the, the guys that have elevated their level of play during the playoffs. Speaking of that elevated level of play, you've been there. How much does the intensity and everything ratchet up between the first and second rounds? Because that's where we're at now. It, it definitely ratchets up. Number one, from the regular season to the first round, and then on to the second, on to the conference finals. It just gets more and more intense every time. The stakes are higher. There's more pressure. There's just more pressure, and that's that's kind of where you see how how players and, and teams deal with the pressure. I've been incredibly impressed with the Jazz, with the Utah Jazz, and, and how well they've played, how well they've looked. Um, look, there was a scare early on with Memphis. John Morant, you know, played had a, had a great showing throughout the series. Uh, that that early loss that the Jazz had, but you got to give a lot of credit to the Utah Jazz for the way they bounced back and and, and played so well against Memphis. 
I'm always intrigued by what you say about pressure, and not just you. I mean, lots of people say about pressure, you know, and suddenly someone who sits there and shoots 100 free throws and makes a really high percentage, now it's the exact same thing, but now there's pressure. So, man, the arm is wavering, and they shoot at 13 and a half feet, or they shoot at about 17 feet and slam it off the backboard. And these crazy things happen. But there are other people who look at pressure as opportunity, and they get excited, and it's like, it's the best. Of course there's pressure. Because that's there's there's an opportunity to do something great, and you can <laughs> well, walk into a locker room and probably go, that guy's nervous, that guy's nervous, that guy's fired up and excited, that guy's nervous, that guy's excited. <laughs> and like, how? Why is that? And can you talk people who are nervous into letting that go and being excited? It's not about hey, you're going to fail. Hey, you're about to succeed in a big way. That's awesome. <laughs> this the sports psychology of basketball or of any sport is fascinating to me because I honestly believe that most players get, have some level of nervousness before every game. I, I remember the first time I started in the playoffs, we were, I, was, I was playing for the Lakers and I, Bill Jackson had me starting against the Timberwolves and I was guarding Kevin Garnett. I was nervous. I was nervous before the game. I think Shaquille could sense that. And, and he, he literally came up to me and he said, Hey, don't try to do too much out there. Don't try to do too little. And, and you know, just having, having a teammate say that to me, it, it helped me. You know, because the tendency when you play with a superstar is, especially when the pressure is high, is they're going to they're gonna do it. Just give them space. They're going to do it. But then if you're Shaq or Kobe, they, they hated that because then double teams could come, you know, sit in the paint, clog the lane, double team Shaq on the post. And, and they needed all the other players to step up. Um, and so, you know, you look at Mike Conley played pretty well in the playoffs, I thought. Uh, Rudy Gobert just is a dominant defensive force. It's been fun to watch those guys. And then, you know, the Clippers are fresh in my mind because of yesterday's game. I mean, Kawhi Leonard under pressure for two games in a row, game six and game seven, really stepped up his game. And so th- this series, with the Utah Jazz with the Clippers, is going to be a great series. I'm picking Utah. I'm picking Utah to win it, uh, mainly because of Gobert. I, I think defensively, Gobert does so much on the court, and he just makes it so tough on other teams' offensive schemes. Okay, so Mark B, you're you're a coach now, and you're going. Uh, you basically articulated what you thought of the Jazz from the defensive perspective with Gobert, and it's hard to argue all that. But now you're 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 Ty Lue. And I'm wondering what you think they do as far as who they're playing because they bounced around a little bit in the playoffs at the guard line. I mean, they had Beverly start, then they didn't play him, and they put Jackson in there. So I assume Jackson is going to be the guy to, to get the majority of the minutes. But then their front line, you know, they got the Zubac, and he started three of the games, three of the seven, and then uh, Batum started four of the seven. Uh, and then you had, the th- obviously, Leonard and George are going to play and play big minutes. But then Morris also started all seven. So as far as how much concern do you think that the, the Jazz should have, or from the Clipper perspective, should they go with the smaller lineup and have guys like a Morris who can shoot a three and Batum who can shoot a three and pull Gobert away from the bucket? What do you think is going to happen there, and how should each team approach that? 
That's a great question. If, I, if I'm the Utah Jazz right now, you're, you're trying to figure out who the Clippers are going to start and which lineups they're going to go with. Conversely, if you're the Clippers, basketball is an interesting sport because from the coaching side, I've been on you know, the Lakers staff for six years now as a head coach at Utah Valley. A lot of times you go with what's been working. <laughs> you, you, you see what's been working and you say to yourself, hey, we're not deviating from that unless we have to, in which case we will adjust. If I'm the Clippers, a couple things. Kawhi Leonard has an unbelievable mid-range pull-up. And so if you do go big with a Zubak, you're trying to free up Kawhi a little bit for that mid-range pull-up because that's one of his best shots. But going small and really stretching the floor out worked incredibly well against Dallas. And so that's probably the direction I think the Clippers are going to go. Try to pull Rudy away from the basket. So one thing about coaching, and uh, you know, you kind of touch on it there. You know, you go with what is working, but you'll always hear coaches, and you'll hear veterans say, "Hey, it's early in a series," because to a certain degree, these questions aren't any more answerable for them than they are for us. And so there's a little bit of, hey, let's throw some stuff against the wall, try this in this quarter, try that in this quarter, try this against their starters, try this against their bench, and just figure out what is working. And I mean, that sounds super simple, but when I start watching games one, two, sometimes even three of a playoff series, I think that's what I'm seeing. There's no question that happens. There's no question. The decision that Ty Lue made to not play Beverly as much, that, that's a gutsy decision because <clears throat> Patrick Beverly, he can flat out play the game. He's a great defender. He's scrappy. He, he, he makes a difference. You know, you look at the Utah Jazz, you look at the, the, the three-point shooting that they have. I mean, the Jazz have done an unbelievable job of constructing that roster to, to have plenty of shooting and then also – the, co- the coaching staff has done a great job of putting the Jazz players in positions that, that allow them to, to be the most successful. You look at a guy like uh, Niang. I mean, Niang was bouncing around early in his career in, in the NBA. He, he might have played overseas a year or two. He, he was bouncing around. He never really stuck. And now he, he put together a good, a very strong season for the Jazz. He helped the Jazz a lot. Um, Royce O'Neal kind of a under-the-radar guy coming out. I mean, give a lot of credit to the, to the Jazz organization for constructing the roster the way that they have. From the coaching perspective, how comfortable would you be with what Quinn Snyder has done in terms of somebody like a Jordan Clarkson who has a green light at any time? And if the ball's going in, great. But if it's not, it's not like Quinn pulls back the green light. Is that a hard thing to do to just basically relinquish everything to the player in that way? I think that's part of what makes Quinn Snyder great. Some NBA coaches, they try to hold those reins so tight they hold the reins too tight, and it stifles the players. I coached Jordan Clarkson for a couple of years in L.A., and he's a guy, when he's in a flow, he's, he's close to unstoppable at times on the court. Now, the downside is, if, if he's not in rhythm, you know, when do you go a different direction? And that's the hard thing, but, but Jordan has put together a tremendous body of work here with the Utah Jazz. There's no question about it. He's, he's earned the respect of – he already had the respect of everybody in the league, but it's, it's elevated. It's elevated. But that's part of what makes 
Quinn Snyder great is his ability to read a player, his ability to then put that player in a situation where the player can be the most successful to help the team. So I'm curious what you think because the playoff is about stars. And sometimes when it's happening right in front of you, A, you don't notice. B, you don't want to say it out loud because it sounds outrageous and you sound like a total homer. And maybe you sound like an idiot to some people. But has Donovan Mitchell hit a whole other level of stardom that can't be dismissed by the bubble, can't be dismissed really by anything? He's just... He's there, and what he did in Game 5 is something he's going to do. Nobody does it every night, but he's going to do it on a semi-regular basis, and people should fear him the way they fear other big-time stars around the league. Can the Jazz hop on his back? Here's what I'll say. Obviously, Game 5 was – I mean, Donovan has put together some incredible performances this season in the playoffs and and in the regular season. After he sat Game 1 – and, you know, he's coming back with major pressure. The team lost game one. He didn't play. There, you know, there was questions on what transpired. That's a lot of pressure. He came back that next game in game two and went off. He completely went off. That's hard to do for a couple of reasons. N- number one, the pressure is ratcheted up. And, and number two, he hadn't played live reps in, I, I, you guys can tell me, in, in weeks. So it's very difficult to – you know, basketball players, we all know, sometimes to get into a rhythm, you, you have to have a few games under your belt. Look at the Lakers. Look at LeBron and AD. Those guys missed a lot of games, and, and as great as they are, they were never fully able to recapture their rhythm. Donovan came back and got into rhythm quickly, okay? Um, <clears throat> he's still a young star. He's still a young star. But, but I'll tell you this, we worked him out at the Lakers the year he came out in the draft. We worked him out. Everyone was incredibly impressed with him. The, the crazy thing is, at the time, everyone was projecting him you know, to, to, to go later in the draft. And so when the Jazz took Donovan Mitchell, I mean, I, I was personally curious because I was hoping we would find a way to trade up to get another pick to not only take Lonzo Ball, but to take Donovan Mitchell as well. So what did you see him? You saw him as a mid-first-round pick? Is that what you're saying? Well, the thing is, I think his workout was so impressive. You know, I, we were just all incredibly impressed with him. Um, you know, some players come in out of shape. They don't shoot the ball well, you know. Donovan came in in phenomenal shape. He shot the ball incredibly well. And, you know, when you're on the coaching side, you're so busy during the season that you don't really go out. You don't go out and you watch. You don't scout. You know, and so I think – you just don't know, was it a one-off? Did he just shoot the ball so well, this one workout in L.A. with, you know, really no one else in the gym? You know, is, is he a guy that's a great workout guy, or can he, can he have it translate over to the game? These are the things you don't know going through the draft process. And, again, all those things are above my pay grade because I was on the coaching staff, not, not the management side. But I, I, I think, you know, I was happy the Lakers brought him in and worked him out, and he impressed, mainly because of his shooting and his professionalism. We're joined right now by Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball head coach. You got the Nuggets or the Suns? That's right. I'm taking them two series at a time. You see where I'm going here? <laughs> I'll go with the Nuggets, you know, only because of, you know, the, the Joker, Jokic. I think he's just he's – a, he's a matchup nightmare. 
I, I think it's all going Nuggets, um, but I think I think it'll go at least six games. As I look at this series with the Clippers and Mavs, obviously it goes to the limit and a lot of pressure, a lot of intensity. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard each average uh, forty plus minutes a game, so they're playing a ton. That's a lot of minutes. Do you have any concern, or maybe the Jazz can benefit if this series go long? That uh, one of these or both of these guys run out of gas a little bit. That you know, forty minutes is a lot of minutes to play. Those guys are getting beat up. They're carrying a big load. Um, obviously, they didn't get much rest between yesterday's game and I think um, you know, obviously the start of the Jazz series. But the, the thing, the thing the Jazz have to be wary of is, and, and this happens every year. Sometimes the top teams finish their series early, like the Utah Jazz did with Memphis. And so the Jazz right now are getting rest, you know. But you know, are they falling out of rhythm? And, and I only say that because it happened to us at the Lakers. We we hadn't lost a playoff game at all in 2001, and and we're getting ready to play in the NBA Finals being undefeated in the playoffs, which, you know, has rarely, if ever, been done. Philadelphia, with Allen Iverson, in contrast, they were going to Game 7 every single series. And so they, they had two days of rest, you know, something minuscule, two or three days of rest. They fly to L.A. We had been resting for two weeks, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Phil Jackson, at one point, had given us two days off in the playoffs. I can't remember if it was during the finals or the series before. So we're rested, you know, we're feeling confident. They came in and they beat us in game one in the Staples Center. Probably because they were in the trenches fighting. They, they were in rhythm. They, they, were, they were just in rhythm. And we had been on rest for, for a week or ten days. They beat us. You know? And so that's what the Jazz have to be wary of is the Clippers have been fighting and the Jazz have had the opportunity to rest. Look, we all know there's pros and cons to both. But, but that, I think that played out a little bit when Memphis stole game one from the Jazz. The Jazz had, had been on rest. And Memphis had the play-in game. So, we've been through all of this. You've got the Jazz beating the Clippers, right? I do. And you've got the Nuggets. So you got a Jazz-Nuggets Western Conference Final. Yikes. Uh, who have you got coming out of the East? The, the, the East? <clears throat> you know, I, I haven't quite formulated my, my, my thought on that yet. You know, I, I don't know. The, the East is more of a toss-up. I haven't seen those guys as much this yeah. season. Living on this side of the country, that's the way it works. So, from the college perspective, Mark, this has got to be a crazy summer. We know with football that recruiting is open and guys can be on campus visits. Now, with you guys in college basketball, the transfer portal is just outrageous coach Krzyzewski's talking about it and, and as he's getting ready to retire it's it's so I don't know if controversial is the right word but anyway it's out there and I know you guys have put out a press release you got to transfer you may get may or may not get more but for you particularly uh, going forward here in June what's the summer going to be like as far as as you uh, juggle all these things and uh, recruiting and your summer camps. I know you want to talk about the camps and all this stuff. How's all, all of this going to play out for you guys at Utah Valley? Well, it's college basketball is, is free agency now. It's, I joke with some guys that have NBA experience, and they say the only difference between the NBA and college is that in the NBA you can actually put someone under contract and know – that you're going to have them for three years. Yeah. In college, this is a, 
this is a year by year free agency. It, it feels like, and you, you know, sometimes as a coach, it it presents some challenges because you want to build continuity. But I think it's good for the players, uh, for for the most part. I think it's really good for the players because it gives the players freedom to explore what's best for them. Um, and so I'm always going to err on the side of what's good for the players. Um, now, the, the only downside for the players is this. I mean, sometimes if, if you can transfer so easily, you never go through those difficult moments with teammates, with a head coach, with, with a program, because you're just out of there. Hey, I'm out of here. It's, I, I don't like X, Y, or Z. I'm out. You know, and, and, and there's, I think, some drawbacks from a personal development standpoint, just how easy it is to go. But when it's all said and done, I'm happy the players have the freedom. And I, and I think it's good for the players. Um, you know, we do have our individual camp coming up next week. And, you know, I'll just give a little plug for it. It's, it, it's, it was awesome two years ago. And all that information is on gouvu.com. Or I put a little link in my social media bios for that. So if anyone is looking for a great summer camp for kids and youth, um, please check us out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Co- Coach K retired. I-, I think we all thought Coach K was going to stay in the game. I mean, you feel like he's going to be there forever, a- a- and he's out. Um, but I think college basketball is still in a great place, uh, e- even with uh, all the changing landscape of it. So your camps, boys and girls, uh, ages what? Yeah, but boys and girls r- really um, kind of the third, fourth grade, all the way up to senior in high school. And so that's kind of next week, and and that's a great chance to learn skills, to come out, to have some fun. We also have a very – we have an elite camp later in the month for guys that are that, – that's a men's only camp that's for hardcore players that, that want to be – that want to get to know us more. Guys of, like, my ability then, what are you saying? We got your spot reserved. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you talk to Dennis Lindsay, ask him about PK's buzzer-beating hook shot. <laughs> it that was it was it was absolutely Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Peek over the right shoulder, swing left, hook right, splash, and then he literally ran to the door and ran out the tunnel. There's a little Bo Jackson mixed into it. I love it. You got to have the flair to it, but that—that's an unblockable shot right there. <laughs> get, get that one over Gobert. Hey, you get that over Gobert, you—you you know it's real. <laughs> he trains. I defend him, and I've got a broom that I hold up in the air. That's how he's getting ready for the one-on-one with Rudy Gobert, which will be pay-per-view, by the way, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> All, right. All right, Mark. We appreciate the time. Good luck with the camps. Good luck with the transfer portal, and uh, we'll see how your picks go. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. There's UVU basketball coach Mark Madsen. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Tyron Lue, coach of the Clippers, and jazz star Donovan Mitchell, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Game one tonight, Jazz and Clippers, 8 o'clock. Time right now get the scouting report, the Clippers' point of view. Here's head coach Tyron Lue meeting with the media. 
Hey, Ty, how you doing today? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well, thank you. Um, first, do you have any update on Surge? I know he was listed as doubtful, but do you have any update? Did he travel? Is he doing anything? He didn't travel. He didn't travel, okay. Um, and then as far as, I, I know you went small the rest of the series against the, um, the, the Mavs, excuse me. Uh, do you think that's something you could do as much against the Jazz? They, they, their lineups really have either Gobert or Favors out there the entire time. They don't really play without a center. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, saying, I'm saying, do you think you can play as small as much against that kind of team? Yeah. I mean, what's the, I mean we played against 7-3, seven, 7-4 seven, Boban and 7-2 Porzingis. So um, it's not really that big of a difference. I know they go to the boards a little you know, better, but – um, you know, there'll be points in the series where we have to go small, you know, no matter who's on the floor. So, um, you know, Dallas was a good test for us of having to block out because all their guys crashed. I'm um, having Boban out there um, with our small lineup, having Przingis out there with our small lineup. And I was able to do a good job. So um, we're definitely going to have to go small at some point in the series. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Law. What's going on, Ty? Uh, you, you mentioned before the Dallas series how you would – prefer to study the first 15 plays or so uh, of a team. I just wanted to know how that helped you prepare for the Mavericks, how effective you thought that was, and and uh, what the short turnaround is going to be like as far as preparing for this Jazz team. Um, you know, I think it was good with Dallas. Um, they really didn't learn a lot of stuff after the first two games. It was just really pretty much um, Lucas seeking out the matchup he wanted with the switches and um, running a lot of high five. and. Um, that's basically it. And we pretty much did the same thing with a small lineup because, you know, Nico doesn't know a lot of the five positions. So um, it just became a, a battle of, you know, taking advantage of the mismatches and trying to attack from there and trying to get two on the basketball to make plays. And so both teams did that. Um, so the plays were really out the window, you know, pretty much after game two. Um, with Utah, we know they do a great job of running their sets, you know, with continuity and um, Gobert, who's a dynamic roller, you know, to the basket, puts a lot of pressure on the rim. And they have a lot of guys who can make shots. So, um, you know, it's pretty much the same thing. We so said they got a dynamic roller instead of having five guys space around them permanently to shoot the basketball. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Shane. Hey, Ty. How are you today? Good. Great. Um, I'm just curious, is there anything in particular you've noticed about Donovan Mitchell's improvement or anything he's enhanced in his game over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, his shooting, you know, he's definitely becoming, you know, a way better shooter. He can always make shots, but, you know, becoming, you know, a really good shooter has been, you know, has made his game take off and go to another level, actually, because now teams can't go under. Teams can't play him for the drive. You know, he has a mid-range pull-up. He has a three-point three shot off the dribble and catch and shoot. And what he's also improved is, you know, going right and be able to shoot it off the dribble as well. So um, he's really expanded his game over the last couple of years, and um, that's why he's a great player. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Miriam. Hey, Ty. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Um, appreciate it. Uh, you mentioned uh, Utah's continuity. How much does that sort of like, you know, that they've had that new for a bit, how much does that play into their success they've had? Can you say it again? I'm sorry, Miriam. How much does the, their continuity over there with the Jazz play into their success, do you think? Oh, because everyone's touching the basketball. Um, they live to play off closeouts, you know, driving kicks, you know, getting into the paint, spraying it out for threes. And like I said, they was, you know, led the league in three-point makes this year, you know, just of sharing the basketball, getting into the sets, running that stuff with pace. So um, we know we got to do a better job, you know, this series than we did last series of taking away the three-point shot, making those guys put the ball on the floor, and then having our back line ready to help. Thanks. Next to Andrew. 
Hey, Ty. Um, hey, Mike Conley, obviously his status is um, he's going to be reevaluated for that hamstring. Just curious how you evaluate uh, the Jazz when he's able to play and, and when he's out of the lineup, kind of the difference it makes. Um, they, they play the right way no matter who's on the floor. You know, uh, Conley's a big part of what they do. Um, but then they just insert Joe Ingles, and he's a six, eight-point guard. And they just run their, they run their system. And um, they all play well together. They know exactly what they're looking for, who they want to play through, and how they want to play. So um, Mike Conn's a big part of it, but they still play the same way no matter who's in the lineup. And then relating to, to Serge, I know he, he made the trip to Dallas um, for, for game six to watch that one. Was st- him staying home something that trainers decided better for his rehab, or did he want to do that? What, what kept him home for this one? Yeah, they thought it was better for his rehab. Next to Farbot. Hey, Coach, um, on the Mike Conley question, I'm just kind of curious, how does it change your preparation when you're not sure if one of their starters are going to be playing? Do you just kind of prepare as if he is, or how does that typically change in a playoff preparation setting? Prepare if he is playing. Uh, we can't just you know speculate and guess if he's going to play or not, so we have to prepare like he's going to play and then go from there. Thanks. Next to Justin Russo. Hey, Coach, glad to hear that you're doing well. Uh, with the roles that Terrence and Luke – had in the last couple of games of last series. Do you kind of foresee them having similar ability to impact the games in this series? Well, we'll see. You know, every series is different. Um, you know, they both did, you know, play well when they got the opportunity. And, you know, especially in game seven, you know, I thought Terrence and Luke both did a great job. Um, but every series is different, you know, so we just got to see, um, see how they're trying to attack us, see the floor of the game, see the floor of the series, and kind of go from there. Thanks. We have time for two more. Next, we'll go to Kahari. Hey, what's going on, Coach? Um, last game, you all did a great job of um, balancing out the scoring. You guys have seven players in uh, double figures. How's it, how important is it for you all to keep that momentum going going into this series against this tough Utah team? Um, it was very important. You know, I thought in this last series, we really played with pace. I'm probably the most pace we played with all season. And um, Kawhi and PG and those guys attacking. You know, we wanted to get the ball out early and attack early before they can get their zone set with Bobby in the game. So um, the same thing has to happen again, you know, having 30 assists. Um, last game, and you know we were due to make some shots and some threes, and we made 23s last game. So, um, you know we just got to continue to keep building off that, continue to keep sharing the basketball, making the right plays, and you know hopefully knock down some open shots. Thanks. Last question, Eric Walden. Hey, Ty. So um, I covered the Jazz, and and several of their players today were obviously extremely complimentary of Kawhi, uh, kind of speaking to his do everything ability. Just as someone who's been around him for a few years now, what to what do you attribute his ability to kind of go from being an already elite player to a guy who's able to take things up to an even higher level once the once you get to the postseason? Um, the work he puts in every day, and um, a lot of times, you know, me and my coaching staff, we say he's probably overworking and working too hard. But um, you know, every day is the same routine. He's an hour there before practice, working out, getting his shots up, and then after he's doing 30 more minutes after practice. And um, it's been the same routine for the last two years since I've been here. And sometimes you think he's tired and, you know, he needs to get the rest, but he continues to put that same work in every day. So I think just from, from you know, him putting the work in and um, understanding that he's trying to get himself ready for the playoffs in the postseason, and um, he stepped it up for us, you know, like I said, in this seven-game series. This Clippers coach, Tyron Lue. Now here's the Jazz star, Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Don, good to see you. Obviously, uh, Kawhi is one of the elite players in the league, one of the elite two-way players. And then it seems like you get to the postseason and he just finds ways to, you know, take his game up another level even. 
what did you see out of him in the series against the Mavericks and, and kind of what are the biggest challenges that you anticipate uh, facing from him on, on both ends of the court in this series? Um, you know, one thing I respect about Kawhi Leonard, man, obviously everybody talks about his two-way ability, which is elite, but, you know, his will to win um, by any means necessary. Um, there were possessions where it was guarding Luka. There were possessions where it was scoring. There were possessions where it was getting offensive rebounds, getting defensive rebounds, box outs. Like, that's what, you know, leaders do. And that's what he does for that team. And he does everything. And, you know, that's a, that's a credit to him. And for us, you know, he's going to be a, a tough matchup for us. But we got to go out there and understand we do what we do. You know, at the end of the day, he's just going to be – it's not just him. You know, they have a – Paul, they have Marcus, they have Reggie, the guys who can who can really go. So for us, it's just doing what we do, um, understanding they're going to be physical, they're going to switch everything, they're going to play that small lineup. But you know, we've we've seen it, and now we got to go out there and just execute against it. John Coon, AP. Donovan, you you look at just how you guys did on the perimeter, both offensively and defensively in the, in the first round, going up against a team like the Clippers with the amount of length they have and the amount of good shooters they have. What do you feel like are the keys to kind of continuing that momentum and, and being able to impose your will on the perimeter, uh, both got, offensively and defensively? I think you got to be sharper. Uh, everything we do in Memphis has just got to be even sharper. Um, you know, there's certain passing angles, uh, driving, understanding they're going to help from certain places, understanding where they're going to be on the offensive end and you gotta be sharper mentally, physically, the pass has gotta be on point. We gotta take our shots. You know, we can't pass up looks against this team because they're great at recovering and scrambling. And, you know, they got six, eight, six, nine, six, 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 whatever, you know what I mean? And then the wingspans are there too. So um, it's, they're called their small lineup, but you know, it's, it's just because they don't have a seven footer out there, but at the end of the day, they're really good at scrambling and being able to recover. So for us, it's like, we gotta be able to execute through that play through that, um, defensively, you know, they can score many different ways. You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the, the those two and Paul George and Kawhi, but understanding that Reggie can get going, Marcus can get going, Batum, everybody. You know, so for us, it's like, okay, you know, how do we stay locked in and stay solid? And we did a good job of that um, against Memphis, you know, um, outside of really game one. But now it's, you know, at an even higher level. And understanding it's not going to be just for a quarter, two quarters. You know, there's certain things we got away with in the first series that we won't be able to get away with this series defensively. So understanding that we got to be on point uh, every minute of the game, every minute of the series. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Donovan, you've talked to us before about uh, the value of being able to watch Mike Conley and have him on your team and learn from what he does on the court. Where would you put that? I mean, if you're looking at how you're growing and your growth year after year, being able to even just sit next to him on the bench and talk to him about what's going on, especially during the postseason, how valuable is that to your game? Um, huge. I think, you know, it's, it's, there are times where it's like, you know, it's talks that are pretty lengthy, but then there are times where it's like little tidbits, like, you know, uh, Sarah likes to jump to your right hand, you know, like little stuff like that, just so like, and like, Oh shoot. Like you're thinking about it on the fly, like little things like that, that he'll give you uh, myself, you know, and being able to sit on by him in the locker room, being able to, play Xbox when like, you know, just forming that, that bond early was huge. And then we became uh, real cool and started just going over so many different things in, in the game of basketball and what he saw. And he's been to the playoffs, I think eight or nine times in his career. 
Um, so he's seen a lot. You know, he's seen um, – he was part of the team that – the AC that beat the one seed. You know, so when we played Memphis, he had so many things, you know, not just for myself but for the team of what he's seen and how it went down and how, how they're feeling going into game one and game two uh, coming into this series. You know what I mean? So, like, for us, for me, you know, it helps me tremendously, you know, being able to just kind of like a calming, cooling pre- presence regardless if we're up, down, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, never see Mike have a bad day either, which definitely uh, – keeps the mood light and you know he's he's a great teammate and you know a great person and I'm, I'm thankful to have him you know I think we all are but for me personally I think it's it's big for my growth like you said in my development in, in many different ways. Rebecca Harlow TNT. Donovan looking forward to working with you again um, just curious you know the sense of urgency that your team showed in that first round was pretty clear how much does that stem from the way things ended in the bubble? I know you took going up 3-1 and then losing really hard, but in some ways, um, has that added to the chip or has that made you guys even better because you went through that and don't want to go through it again? Right. In, in some respects, you know, I've talked about it pretty much every interview, but in some respects, I, I say it's it was good that it happened, you know, because – you learn a lot from losses. You know, you learn a lot more, I would say, because if we were able to get away with not paying attention to the small details and winning that series, not saying we wouldn't be the same team we are today, not saying that, but, you know, you definitely have a different chip, different edge uh, to you. So going up 3-1 against Memphis, we made it a statement from the beginning that we were going to come out and play a certain way. And we didn't really have to say it. You know, it's kind of just like one thing we just do, which means everybody, one through 17, was on the same page, which is great because that means we all – locked in and have the same goal, understand we all felt the same hurt, you know, from, from, from last year. It wasn't just me or it wasn't just Rudy. It wasn't just Mike or Joe. We all felt that. So we understood that. So now coming into this series, you know, we kind of still carry that understanding that, all right, we won the series, but that we were up three, one, like that's not the goal. Like the goal is to continue to win and continue to play deeper into this playoffs and get to a championship. So um, not being satisfied, I think is, one of uh, one of the biggest things with us, and I think with the with the team like the Clippers, you know, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, but understanding that we got to be resilient. Um, if we get up, understand that we got to do the things that we continue to do at a high level, and even if we get down, we got to raise our level and continue to to go out there and be the team that we've been all year. And um, that's pretty much been our mindset. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Donovan, I know playoffs are always about adjustments, but it seems like historically from an outsider's perspective, the best team in the NBA or the best teams always kind of dictate how the playoffs go and and kind of how the games are played as the best team in the NBA this year. Do you guys feel like you have that advantage, even if it's just psychological? Um, I think for us, like, like, like I was just saying to Rebecca, I think being able to, to show our resilience through the season, through the first round, like it gives us, it just gives you a confidence going into a series, understanding that this is what we are, this is who we, this is what we do, and understanding that we got to keep that level. You know, and coming fresh off a loss, uh, and last year, like we understand that, like it's so fresh in our mind that, like we're at a point where it's like we don't want to go back to that. You know, and I think that helps um, more so than what you're saying, in my opinion. I think understanding that, yeah, we're the best team in the NBA, and there's a swagger that comes behind that too. But understanding that we just felt the loss before and we don't want to go back to that feeling just because we won a series. It's not like the end all. So for us, it's, yeah, we're number one team in the, in the regular season, but at the end of the day, it's like a high school kid, number one ranked kid going to college. It doesn't mean nothing. 
You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like you, those rankings, everything starts over at zero, zero. Uh, they won a series. We won a series. Why we won the five, they won the seven. So at the end of the day, it's zero, zero. Um, none of that stuff before matters. We got to go in there and lace them up and, and get ready to go. Danny Green, ABC4. Hey, Donovan. Uh, after your first game in the Memphis series, you expressed some dissatisfaction of having zero assists, and then you went to five and then eight and then ten. Was that kind of a conscious decision, a conscious choice on your part, or did those opportunities just present themselves, or do you expect to continue at that level of distribution? Yeah, um, for me, <laughs> uh, the first game was like, it was a point to be proven. You know what I mean? It was I, my head. Oh, man. Sorry. Um my, my goal was to go out there and just try to attack. You know, I hadn't played in 40 days, and I was really just, like, so excited to be back. You know what I mean? I missed so many easy reads because I hadn't played. You know, it's, it's, it's different. And then you get out there, you watch the film, and I get mad at myself because I'm like, damn, like, voices were open three or four times in a row. Like, there's no way I missed that, you know, finding that. So coming into game three, it was like, okay, this is what's going to be there. I told Royce, I told God, like, this is what's going to be there. I'm going to drive. I'm going to, cause they're now they're expecting me to do what I did in game one and come out and try and score. Now you're going to be open. And then it became, okay, now being able to find both and manipulate the offense, understand. Now I know how they're playing me. Now I'm kind of getting a little bit of a rhythm, understanding, okay, I'm going to get to the basket. This is going to be there. The ball fake here, that's going to be there. So as the series went on, it just went back to my film watching and just understand of playing the game of basketball and continuing to find my rhythm. Um, that's really all it is. Uh, but game the first game back, you know, you're just like a kid in a candy shop. You're just out there playing in front of the home fans, playing a playoff game and just happy to be there. And, you know, and then it's like, okay, like now you're being tactical with your approach and how you go about things and understand where guys are going to be. Mark Medina, USA Today. Hi, Donovan. Good to see you. Um, I was wondering, how would you compare what the, the mental toll of this unique season has been like compared to the bubble and what was your approach in kind of navigating the, the unique challenges of the season? Um, in a sense, the beginning of the year, I think, was similar to the bubble because or really a lot of the year for me, because I didn't really like go anywhere. I don't think a lot of us went anywhere. I mean, not just here, but in the league. So I think it was kind of similar in that sense. You know, the only difference was the travel. So you would travel and then you'd pretty much be like locked down in a hotel room, you know. So at the end of the day from the bubble, You'd go play, you drive and go play at the arena and then drive back to the hotel and that'd be that. So this season I think was was tough, but for me it was just like I have film and I had Xbox. Uh, so I had that to kind of keep my mind distracted. Um, uh, so for me, that's that's really what it was. Um, it's definitely it's definitely unique and interesting, but you know as things are starting to change throughout the league, the protocols, the rules are starting to change. Uh, it's be, it's become a little bit easier, I think, in my opinion, but. Um, the playoffs are going to be tough in general, uh, regardless. Um, and, you know, having the fans back, having that element back and that feel, I think definitely kind of brings life just throughout the league in general. Um, for, so for me, I, I, I think, you know, it's like I'm not too far removed from being in a college dorm in a high school, in a boarding school where I had a prep school. So I was pretty much in my room doing the same thing I'm doing now anyway after a basketball game. So um, kind of going back to my roots, as I would say. Uh, so it wasn't that hard for me, but I definitely think it's challenging in some instances for sure. Rebecca Harlow, TNT. All right. Yeah, Donovan, um, you averaged a point a minute in that last series, which in a playoff scenario is so difficult to do. I mean, there's so few NBA players ever who have been able to do that. In your fourth year now, what do you think it is that you've learned that's gotten you to a place where you are so efficient 
even when you're in a scenario where an entire team is focused on taking you out of the game? Um, I think it goes back to what I was saying before. I think, first off, you're seeing playoff basketball for, for the fourth straight year. You know, I think over time, you look at guys like Brown, Chris Paul, Steph, like <clears throat> KD, like those guys are really good in the playoffs because why? Like those guys are good in the playoffs because they've seen it year after year after year. It's like, you know, after a while, the coverages, you know, don't change. You know, you understand the guy's tendencies at this point. Now you know what you're, what you can get to, what you're capable of, how you can get there, slowing the game down yourself. You're seeing everything at a different pace than I was last year, the year before that, you know, so for me, and then on top of that, taking the film work to a higher level too. So understanding that, you know, it's good to watch the good highlights, but you also got to watch the, the, the ones where it's like, man, I missed this or man, I missed that. I got to see this. This is what's going to be there if I attack there. And, you know, being able to pick other players and watch how they attack those defenses. And then you implement that into your own game. So you pretty much do all that, you know, for three, three, four years straight, it's starting to slow down. Everything starts to change for you. Um, and then also being able to hit shots, uh, and that reps, those are reps throughout the summer, um, continue to rep those out, continue to go out there and, and, and rep those out every day. Um, and then the reads and everything else will come throughout the year and throughout the years of, uh, of playing and, in the playoffs, everything's kind of slowed down, which makes the game, like I always say, more tactical and more mental. And it really goes down to how experience and going down to how you can slow the game down and how you can make reads for others and make reads for yourself. Mm-hmm. All right, we have time for one last question. It's a follow-up from Sarah Todd. Don, I just wanted to get an update on how the ankle is feeling after that first round and last couple of days of practice, how it's going. It's good. Um, I'm ready to go. Um, the, the time off was great. Uh, but I definitely miss playing. Um, but, you know, ankle feels good and ready to go. There's Donovan Mitchell. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are next. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. You know, one thing I respect about Kawhi Leonard, man, obviously everybody talks about his two-way ability, which is elite, but his will to win by any means necessary. There were possessions where it was Luke guarding Luka. There were possessions where it was scoring. There were possessions where it was getting offensive rebounds, getting defensive rebounds, box outs. Like, that's what leaders do, and that's what he does for that team, and he does everything, and, you know, that's a, that's a credit to him, and he's going to be a, a tough matchup for us, but we got to go out there and understand we do what we do. It's not just him, you know, you have uh, Paul, they have Marcus, they have Reggie, the guys who can really go, so for for us, is doing what we do. Understanding they're going to be physical. They're going to switch everything. They're going to play that small lineup. But, you know, we've, we've seen it. And now we got to go out there and just execute against it. Donovan Mitchell right there. His scattering report. What he thinks about the Clippers. You ready, PK? Uh, at the end of the day, you know, you just have to play these guys and, and make the plays at the end of the day. That is what you have to do. Yeah. They will switch. Get ready for it. They'll pull Rudy away from the hoop. Get ready for it. Late in the evening. Will Mike Conley go? Yes. Listen to this. Questionable. Well. Hamstring tight. There's only been one guy who's been listed as questionable all season who didn't go. And that is? At the end of the day, that was Donovan Mitchell. Game one. That's what Locke said. That every questionable has played, but then Mitchell did not play. 
And at the end of the day, and, and even at the end of the game, they lost. This game will be at the end of the day. 8 o'clock for the tip tonight. TNT pregame show starts at 7 o'clock. Question of the day, all about fan behavior and the Jazz and the Clippers. What type of animosity is towards the Clippers? Ah, we will get to that coming up. Not much. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. James out of the right, up top to Durant. Fires a three straight on, and it's good. One in doubt. Just give it a number seven. Yeah, yeah. or give it to Kevin Durant. He's got 21. Irving's got on the move. Pulls up three in transition. It's good again for Kyrie Irving. Chris Paul, eight seconds to get a shot. Paul has the big man on him, Millsap, but he puts up a three. Shazam! Booker out on top. Booker to his right. Booker uses the glass and buries a little 15-footer right side. Phoenix Suns down by 10, third quarter. Dominate the end of the game. They pull away and beat the Denver Nuggets. And they win game one in their series, 122 to 105. PK, they were down 70 to 60. That's a 62-35 run to close the game. Sensational when they got it going on offensively. They could not be stopped. It was a wave. It was really something that was actually fun to watch. I mean, Chris Paul had a stretch where he dominated. Mikhail Bridges played well. A Booker average game for him. It's funny. Every starter, all five, either had a plus minus of 12 or 13. No other number. Either the 12 <laughs> or 13. 13. Yeah. Remarkable balance. And Paul, that's exactly what they had. Absolutely, yeah, all the starters. And Chris Paul looked healthy. Uh, 21 and 11, played 36 minutes. Really just uh, didn't have any effects that he had showed earlier in the season, uh, the playoffs, I should say, with the shoulder. Able to shoot three-pointers now that he had been passing up because he hadn't had the strength to two of three get the ball to the hoop. I mean, they shot the ball unbelievably. Well, you better win. Uh, if you're going to shoot 54% from the floor like they did. And it was a nice, nice win for them. They needed a... I think that they need proof. See, I don't think the Jazz need proof. But I think the Suns need proof. Hey, we're good. And they got it. And I look at Denver. Uh, you know, without Murray, they just don't have enough scoring punch. River's the ultimate role player. I mean, we saw him earlier the year in the season with the Knicks in that fourth quarter Lighting against the Jazz. The jazz. Up, man. But then other times he's just a guy out there, and, and if it wasn't for the tats and the street cred that he gr- brings growing up in a, in a rich home, you would never know that he was out there. Porter, 15 points instead of 25. Jokic, 22 instead of 32. Going to need bigger games out of those two guys. Anybody else going to be able to provide that? From the Nuggets From the Nuggets, when you're looking for more offense. 105 is a little on the low end for a winning number in the NBA these days. Well, they were talking last night about uh, getting their guard line back, maybe. No, the guard line doesn't include uh, Murray. Right. It's, uh, who was it? Uh, it's like Bur- Burton. Barton. 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 Like Will Barton. 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 Not Burton. And is he getting close, and is he going to be able to contribute and be a factor in this series. Hopefully. Maybe. Not for me. They hope. I'm a Suns fan my whole life. There it is. Since about like 63, I think. You know the Suns didn't start in the early 60s. 
There were no Phoenix Suns then. You know that. Dude, all matter exists eternally. How many times am I going to tell you that? <laughs> Jeez. The Suns did not exist My in the goodness, NBA. What is your problem? The other game, the Nets just annihilating the Bucks, 125 to 86. That was about as thorough a beating as anyone can uh, deliver right there. At the end of the day, yes. Jump on them early, PK. Well, Up by know. 17 they, they, after they, they the first quarter. They didn't jump on them early. They destroyed them early. Yeah. So, uh, that, uh, that, but that thing was so bad. I was flicking around watching softball and baseball. The NCAAs. Yep. Yeah, that's a guy for uh, Arkansas. He's seven of eleven as a pinch hitter. He comes up, tie score in eighth inning. He scored a wild pitch, so they go up three two against Nebraska. So that means the uh, bases were loaded. And so now there's two guys on. He hits a bomb and just stands there majestically, <laughs> like some you know, a flamingo with its just just pretty as can be. And you knew, on television, you knew that it was Gonzo the second he hit it. So the guy's 8 for 12 as a pinch hitter with six ribbies. What a stud. Off the charts. Yeah. Unexplainable. Should not be happening. It was awesome, man. Hawks and Sixers, game two, 5.30 tonight on TNT. Atlanta won the first one in that series. And then the Clippers and Jazz follow. we got live college baseball right now. This is live, isn't it? Virginia and ODU. That's Old Dominion. It was, uh, they had a weather, weather. thing yesterday. Yeah. So they're playing right now. I'm going to watch this thing. You, you, you rattle off your stats the rest of the morning. Oh, we got a kid from Vineland, New Jersey up. Lavari. Go deep, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Just takes the pitch. Doesn't listen to you. Well, of course. You want to be a selective hitter. You don't want to get yourself out. Knicks coach Tom Thibodeau wins the uh, NBA Coach of the Year honor. Monty Williams second, and it was only by 11 points. It was super close. It's ridiculous. Monty Williams had more first place votes. He did. But At the Tibbs, end of the day, that's ridiculous. But Tibbs rounded up a lot of second place that's, votes. That, that makes no him. sense. How stupid is that? Quinn Snyder, a distant third. It's a joke. I would have given it to Monty Williams. But what were you saying yesterday? Somebody has the most wins with... Uh, with a with a winning on, record on Tuesdays or Tony, some dumb Tony stat. Larusa. Well, yeah, well, he Monty Williams. I'd present him with the award in Game Two. He's got the most first place votes. That's what it's about. I finished first, but somehow you're the winner. Cause you got more well, second place. I votes. mean, Maron, Maron, Fanabla. That don't make no sense. Fanabla. <laughs> NBA fined Daryl Morey and the Sixers $75,000 each for violating the league's anti-tampering rules for a tweet that Morey posted last week about China star Steph Curry. You think he would have learned? That advocated for Steph to join him. <laughs> next to his brother Seth, who starts for the 76 My guy just hit a double. <laughs> Down the line, right into the gap. Third uh, left field line and bounced in the stands. Double. Go. Freaking double. Yeah, he's a hitter. I knew he was a hitter. You could tell. So how many more of these uh, tweets? Because Maury got in trouble for a uh, tweet about uh, Harden, too. That's three. Well, nothing can compare to China. No, China, that's man. One. That's the big one. All you conservatives go nuts on that one. Here's that one dude who uh, t- uh, He'll send open mics in. He'll send us an open mic right now. The China thing? Yeah. What's up, Kay? But then you said he probably wears clothes from China. Probably does. I think we all do. We do? Yeah. 
Let me take off my clothes and I'll check. I'd rather not. <laughs> Let's not do that now. We'll well, how else would I know? Much. Li- just look at a tag. You know, clothes you're not wearing when you get home. Report back tomorrow. I haven't bought an, an article of clothing. Bought. Nice. Nice made up word. My old lady buys everything. Literally everything. Socks, underwear, shirts, shorts, pants, pantalones. You name it. I've never... You wear pantalones? Yeah. It's a fancy way to say pants in Spanish. But uh, I wouldn't have any idea where they're, they're, making a Nacho Libre where, they made, where they're made from. No idea. No idea. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Gonzaga AD Mike Roth said Monday he'll retire on August 31st, ending a 24-year run during which the Bulldogs had unprecedented success in men's basketball and got really good in other sports too, but basketball is what they're known for. Roth elevated Mark Few to head coach of the Bulldogs program in 1999 after Dan Monson's departure. I knew it was Roth. I knew all along it was Roth. (laughs) That's good. Godfather reference, people. Ross, best line. <laughs> this the thing is the, what we just, the business this, we chose? Yeah, this is the business we chose. You get whacked. So how long does it take for Gonzaga to slip? New leadership won't happen overnight. But will it happen? As long as they still have the money to pay the players, they're good to go. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. How can you not be excited to play with a guy from the caliber of talent that Julio is and has been for his whole career? So I'm excited to get to know him as a person and just welcome him to the team and, and get him activated the way we do things. That's Ryan Tannehill right there. Welcome Julio Jones to the team. Get to know him. I'll throw him the ball. Go deep. Throw it deep. That's Good. the best way to get to know him. Well, that's for sure, isn't it? Hand off to Derrick Henry. Hand off to Derrick Henry. Play action, throw it deep to Julio Jones. Not the other guy. The, what's his name? The receiver. Had, he's had two straight thousand yards. Uh, yep. What's that guy's name? Receiver. Tennessee? Yeah, A.J. something. Isn't oh, A.J. Brown. Yeah, Brown. I was thinking Howard for some reason, but I knew it wasn't Howard. A.J. Howard? Who's that? I don't know. I don't know. I had it in my mind Howard, but I knew. Famous Howards. You know Tannehill? He went to Texas A&M, and when he's in Texas A&M, he got moved to wide receiver. Could you imagine what a national outrage that would be if it was somebody else? He got moved to wide receiver. And then he got moved back. Yeah, how about that? And not a peep. A.J. Howard was let go by the Lions. Look at you diving into the Lions practice squad. I don't know why I thought it was Howard. At least I knew he, I think he's two for two in 1,000-yard receivings. Yeah, he's, right? had, he's had really big seasons back-to-back years. Yeah. And they moved Corey Davis out, so Julio Jones slots in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, Julio Jones is a premier dude. Is he not? If he's healthy, he has been a premier dude for years and well, years and years. How can you be years. a premier dude if you're not healthy? Of see course. If, see if the hamstrings are good to go. The hammies? Is that what it is? The hammies. Former New York Giants head coach, former University of Utah head coach, Jim Fossil, has died at the age of 71. His son, John, confirmed that to the L.A. Times. Jim Fossil was living in Las Vegas. He died of a heart attack while under sedation after being taken to a local hospital Monday with chest pains. Ooh. 71. It's awful. He's the football coach who preceded Ron McBride. He was there 85 to 89. And Scott Mitchell was his star quarterback. And defense wasn't very good. The offense was... Excellent. And he famously went to the Giants and took them to a Super Bowl. Bowl. And 
They're struggling. I'm pushing all my chips to the middle of the table. Great line, and then they backed it up with a great playoff run. Former Kansas City Chiefs assistant Britt Reed pled not guilty Monday to critically injuring a young girl in a crash. The judge allowed him to resume driving with restrictions. The judge modified his bond during his arraignment to allow him to have a special interlock device installed that requires him to pass a breathalyzer type test before his vehicle will start. His vehicle? Yes. I think we all knew this was coming. For Bronco fans, offensive tackle Juwan James filed a $15 million grievance against the Broncos. He has agreed to a two-year deal with the Ravens. James, 29, sustained a season-ending Achilles injury in a workout away from the facility last month. James had been guaranteed $10 million for the 2021 season, but because the injury took place off-site, it was designated as a non-football injury, meaning the Broncos were not obligated to pay a salary, and he was later released by the Broncos. Well, I don't know about all that. Just get as much money as you can. There you go. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, players, how much were players encouraged to work out away from the facility because of COVID? That's what he's so, claiming was right. the issue. Yep. So we'll see if he gets all or part of his money there. Andy Gary Leola is up. He's a Christian. He's got a crucifix hanging from his shoulder, from his neck. Sierra. For those of you just joining us, PK occasionally doing play-by-play of Old Dominion in Virginia. So he's from Sierra Madre, California. Yeah. Go to work, AG. Like, see, he's a Christian. You get the big cross hanging. 0 for 11 in the NCAA regionals with six strikeouts. Yeah, the middle of the lineup is put up. Uh, it sucks. Well, maybe he's due. Let us know how that goes. I DJ am. and PK. And, uh, ball two, two and one. Hashtag college football. Nick Saban gets a contract let extension. Let us know what it, how it goes. Don't tell them. Eight point, I like it. 8.4 million. This season with annual increases that will take his average annual salary to over $10 million as it runs through 2028. Seven more years of saving, yes or no? Oh, I got it. Seven more years of saving. Well, if he's got his health. Oh, Andy, Andy, ha <laughs> ha. Oh, right to the wall, man. He got, good, he got good aluminum on it. Warning track power flew out to left. Got good aluminum on it. I'm getting That's sick. all you could do there. I'm Hit the ball hard. You can't control where it go after that. That's all you can do. I'm getting sucked into this. Is Saban going to coach until he's, he's 69? That's so, so you're looking at seven more years here? He'll be 77 by the end of it. He turns 70 on October, October 31. He's got he's a Halloween birthday. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it determines on his two things I've always felt. Health. And desire. Motivation, that type of thing. Desire's not fading. He's still all sorts of fired up over there on the sideline. Why wouldn't you be? I mean, you stand like a 92% chance of winning every game you play. (laughs) That's fun. (laughs) Right? Come here, Tennessee. So, Hey, Mississippi State, you want some more of this? Why wouldn't he be having the time of his life? He just added another four-star running back commitment yesterday. I mean, it's just uh, the talent, obviously, is just overflowing. So if he's got his motivation and his health, I say keep doing it if that's what he wants to do. And apparently he does. Average annual salary. Going to break through the $10 million. Will he? He's the first oh, one contracted yeah, there. Will someone get $10 million? I'm not sure he's doing it quickly. for the money at this point. 
can't spend all he's got. So the money doesn't do anything for me. He's makes national commercials and he's been making millions for years. And he's getting a free car and uh, oh, country club memberships and clothing uh, and eating at the facility. What these guys get in terms of freebies? What do they do with the money? (laughs) Just it's staggering. They're buying food, buying cars. Their booster association paid off his house for him. Yeah, and they get gas for the cars. Uh, it's on and on and on and on. I mean, I've been around a few of these guys at our level here, and they just kind of the, the stuff that they tell you. Is like, and then then they take that money, and they have investments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's somebody in here who owns a ton of apartment buildings, but yeah. nobody knows about it. And it's none of their business to to know about it. So they take that money. And they multiply it, and uh, hey, you want to go enjoy Palm Springs for the weekend? Sure, all right, I'll pick you up. We'll get on our private plane, and away we go. I mean, this is just two little stories that I have, then I could have a hundred of them. So you you wonder if you wonder why they keep these jobs. These jobs are so lucrative. A lot of stress involved, but they're just incredible. The benefits that are there. It's really mind-boggling to think about, and and I don't, and we don't, and I probably know a fraction. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. What they what they choose to tell me, and then I don't tell anybody who they are and whatnot, so it doesn't go anywhere. But and go no, on, but there's whatever, a coach man. who once said that if uh, they needed an oil change in their car, they didn't get an oil change; they just turned it in and got a new car. Got the deal with the dealerships and just revolving deal through the. Through the uh, vehicles. So every 5,000 miles? Every three to 5,000 <laughs> miles. Let's get a new one. Get that thing airborne off the curb a couple times. You're going to need new shocks anyway. Because so I'm nice. leasing from Tim Daly's Southtown, and then I go there every 5,000. Nice. And then I wait a couple hours, and then they come into the lobby and see. I always try to go on a Monday. Because? Because then uh, I write a weekly thing for our website in KSL, and then I do it right then. Ah, okay. There you go. So I'm sitting in the lobby. Not wasting the time. No. Not bored. Right. Just got to crank this thing out anyway. Takes any, depending on how busy they are, it goes from anywhere from like an hour to two. But it really doesn't matter because I would be using that time to ride at home anyway. Yeah. You just ride at their place. I'm yeah. there. Yeah. Colorado starting quarterback Sam Neuer, second team all Pac-12, has entered the transfer portal. Surprising. Says he feels he needs a new opportunity. He's got one year of eligibility remaining. Colorado. Come to Utah. Colorado had a... Uh, <laughs> A good start to the, the shortened season and then got beat by the Utes. Well, they got beat up by the Utes. Are they going to turn Jordan it around? Nuts on that game. Has Carl Durrell got it going and all uh, of a sudden does well, he need I mean, a quarterback? The level of where they were got it going. I, you know, I, I refuse to make judgments on teams who played four, five, six games I for, for the bad. I, and I'm not going to do it for the good either. I get that, but you have to admit that that was intriguing. It went against expectations even though it was a super there small sample size. There was no expectations. Size. So if you won a game, that went against expectations. But it's not real. They ended up 4-2 and two in the short and season. And good for them, but it's yeah. not real. And now they need a quarterback. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The looper down the left field line. This could be trouble. It drops for a hit, and it will score Arroyo. Verdugo on his way to second, and the throw is not made right away by the left fielder Dickerson. Stassi, right field, well struck toward the wall. Max Carr! 
carry. Two and two, hit in the air to right field, pretty well struck. Bryant going back towards the corner, at the wall, looking up, gonna go! Manny Machado with a home run, his eighth of the year. And the Padres lead is three here in the eighth. Padres go on to win nine to four, they beat the Cubs. Machado getting a chance to hit that homer in the pitch before he had a pop-up dropped. Right in the old glove, PK. Rizzo. Dropped. Rizzo. Yep. The former Padre. You know, there's only been 12 guys in Major League history who played their entire career with the Padres and the Cubs. Yeah, I heard that. We were talking about that during the game. That was driving me nuts. I actually wondered if you heard it, if that was driving you nuts. It didn't. That stuff doesn't drive me nuts. Oh, okay. Really? No. Because I wouldn't have any clue. Yeah, totally random. Because if you go and play for the Pirates for one month, one game... You've wrecked yourself in that trivia question. I could just hear you going, it's meaningless. Well, who was it that Kirchin said it? And then he said, well, that's me, man. I go to parties and people ask me a trivia question. Next thing you know, for the next two hours, I'm trying to think of the answer, standing over in the corner by myself. <laughs> it was a funny line. It was a funny line. <laughs> that's how nerdy I am. Reminded yeah. me of somebody else I know. It reminded you more than one person you know. <laughs> There's two of us you'd like to take a shot at. No, not at all. That's not true. Red Sox beat the Marlins. Christian Arroyo, two-run single to cap the scoring there. The Red Sox, just a half game behind the Rays in the excellent race in the American League East. AL East, better than the NL West. NL West is getting all the hype. I would say no. I would say the NL West right now, but I'm... It's just the Rockies and Diamondbacks are so bad. So there's four good teams instead of three. And right now, and I know it's been going back and forth, but right now the Rays and the Red Sox... That's two teams playing better than 600 Yeah, balls. but it's the old SEC versus everybody else. Are yeah. they really the best conference, or are they the best conference at the top? But that's where they got the four out of five with winning records, too. So, let's give them a little credit for that. No hope for the Orioles, but everybody else. Bees beat Tacoma 9-2. Teams will wrap up a six-game series tonight in Tacoma at 7 o'clock. You can listen to the game with Steve Klauke on the call on 1280 The Zone. All right, coming up, we got Mike Smith, jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet, 8.30. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report at 9.05. And we got the question of the day up next. Beat L.A. Can you chant that? Is that allowable? Does that work for you in this series? We will get to that next. Stay with us. Todd Jack. Get out of the way. Round one is done. Got it. As Donovan Get. Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley sent the Grizzlies pack. Donovan! Now it's on to round two as the Jazz make a push to an NBA title. I live for the hunt. I live for it. Won't stop till I get what I want. Won't stop. I don't care what it takes. Yo, Eagles! Jordan Clarkson! Hear every second of every moment of Utah Jazz playoff basketball. It's all about survival. Right here on your exclusive home of the Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone Sports Network. Flex, Rudy, flex! Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the day, we can't really chant beat L.A. in this series, can we? Beat L.A. Reserved for the Lakers, not the Clippers. The Dodgers, not the Angels. Who's really L.A.? It's symbolic of the bigger issue. Where do the Clippers fit? 
Is there any animosity? Is there anything? Can anybody within the sound of our voices drum up anything that they don't like about the Clippers? Now, the Lakers, the list is endless. But the Clippers, can you really go there? Will you go there? Can you get there? Even when they had Chris Paul, Chris Paul was somewhat of a lightning rod. And so you can say, oh, I don't like him. I never understood it, but nevertheless, people had something against Chris Paul. Maybe because of the Darren Williams thing. I'm not sure the the genesis of that. But these Clippers, is there anything? Can anybody come up with one thing? Get on our app or tweet at you, whatever the crap you do. I tell you to get the text line. We don't have that. And, and I mean, the vindication I receive on that is so sweet that I never remembered the number. And you two used to get on me over and over and over. And I just said, you wait. I'm holding on to it just in case it comes back. It was the tortoise and the hare, and I'm not sure which one is which, but I won that puppy. (laughs) So communicate with us via the various methods. Is there anything that you can drum up that you don't like about the Clippers? Anything. Even Doc Rivers. People didn't like Doc Rivers. So you don't like Ty Lue? Ty Lue? There's nothing. (laughs) What's there to dislike or like about Ty Lue? He's a coach. Uh, You don't like uh, Kawhi Leonard because you're a BYU fan and you're still fired up about BYU and San Diego State. That's the great thing about college basketball and like college football is they really don't take anything from you that matters that much. I mean, Kawhi Leonard won the Mountain West title that year, but you still went to the Sweet 16, too. You would have gone to the Final Four if they would have uh, just uh, held off on Brandon Davies for a couple of weeks. So it's not like San Jose State roadblocked you from anything. But Kawhi Leonard is very quiet. It reminds me of Mike Conley when he speaks. You know, just right to the point, got good stuff to say, isn't all over the place, doesn't talk a lot. Yeah, I think Mike Conley talks more than Kawhi. Conley doesn't talk a lot. Kawhi's probably the quietest star in the well, NBA. It, I mean, you got a quieter NBA star than they Kawhi talk Leonard. to him when they're they talk when they're asked to talk. Yeah, after the game, they've done some some interviews with him. So, but they do a lot of games. I guess it's because he doesn't play in in so many games that even when I watch him, he's not going to be the star doing the post game interview if he doesn't play. Yeah, yeah, and I, we see more of Conley because he's local, right? I mean, if we're in LA, I'd probably see more of Kawhi. But just the way they talk, their voice sounds almost the same, and they just have that low to the point, mm-hmm. uh, ask, ask a question, give you a succinct, direct answer, uh, doesn't have a lot of emotion one that's way or the, the other. I think that's the biggest thing there, uh, yeah. Is on point. Uh, it, you're right, and we hear Conley obviously much, much more uh, because he is local and we're local. But I just listening to Kawhi the other day after Game 7, sitting there just answering the questions. It just reminds me, his demeanor and everything about him reminds me of the way Mike Conley plays the game of basketball himself. So I can't think of anything outside of they're in the Los Angeles market. So that's where I came up with the Beat L.A. So the symbolic Beat L.A. If you find it fun to chant Beat L.A., I guess you'll chant Beat L.A., but I don't know why else you would chant it. I mean, that chant started because... It's the Lakers. Right. And you want to take them down, and Celtics fans would chant it <clears throat> while they were playing somebody else. They'd be beating whoever in an Eastern Conference final, knowing they're getting the Lakers in the NBA finals, and they'd be chanting beat L.A. And it's got a certain rhythm to it, and it's kind of fun. That was cool. Yeah. I remember that. But there was a rivalry there. Big time. There'd been a ton of showdowns. 
It's the greatest basketball rivalry we uh, rivalry we have. Rivalry? Yeah. And nobody's the, at, at the NBA level. At the, and nobody's got that with the Clippers because they haven't been in the playoffs that often. And when they get in, it hasn't gone that far and made a run. I mean, they've never been to a conference final. No. And yes, the Jazz are playing them for the second time in four years, but there's literally nobody left from that Clipper team. They've changed coaches. They've changed every player on the roster. Does that bother you? Do you got to have a villain? Can these guys be the villain? Is it Paul George because you had a rough-and-tumble series against the Oklahoma City Thunder a couple years back? And so he got kind of caught up in that with Westbrook. Now, Westbrook is easy to generate emotion toward. Because he brings so much emotion. Right. Right. So you had that, and Paul George was his sidekick at the time, and it was a heated series. Did it go six? Yes. Uh, and there was a lot of emotion, jawing, and guys just kind of, uh, what, uh, head not headbutting, but just getting each other's face and staring at each other and going forehead to forehead, and that, that crazy thing there. Uh, so you can see where that generated. Is that it, Paul George of all people? You're reaching. But if you got to do it, reach for that. I think the playoff P, the self, uh, you know, giving yourself the nickname, that, that probably rubbed people the wrong way. So I think that's the most you can hold on to. So and there's plenty of other NBA stars you can hold on to, to more. We're going to be angry. Are we going to boo when Paul George touches the ball? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this series is so much about the Clippers losing as it is the Jazz winning. Well, that's what it always is. It's what you said yesterday. Like, yeah, they just won a playoff series, but because it's one versus eight, and because eight was really nine, and because that team had obvious deficiencies, was still a good team, but had obvious weaknesses versus the Jazz. Jazz had more veterans. The Jazz had more playoff experience. The Jazz had more playoff or more three point shooting. Everyone expected the Jazz to win that series. All right. And they did, so it's not that big a deal. Now, this is a tougher call, so if you win it, it's a bigger deal. You want to make a mark, you want people talking about you, you want respect, all that list of things you ran through yesterday, all those things are on the table. But because you want those things, and because the Clippers have never taken them away from you, or anybody else, um, it's just hard to work that up. Yeah, but at the if same time, they've got everything you don't have. Now, they may not have gotten it there, but they still have it. A lot of people quietly picking the Clippers, expecting the Clippers. If they're not picking the Clippers, they're expecting the Clippers to win. So is that enough? Just You're not really mad at the Clippers. You're just mad at the NBA. And we see it. Some of the national folks putting out on Twitter, oh my gosh, can you imagine? We're going to get a Utah-Denver Western oh, yeah. Conference final. whoop de freaking do yeah. Well, here's my finger to you. <laughs> this is about competition. And if those two end up being the best, so be it. I'm going to enjoy it because it's about competition. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna loathe the Clippers, it's not so much the people, which is usually the easiest thing to loathe and get fired up about. It's more the process. Because even though the Clippers have 
no cachet and no real history to speak of. I mean, just a little bit with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. And really not much of anything before that. The fact that they're in L.A. and they can go buy two stars and instantly have a team. That can rub all the... I mean, they had to trade for Paul George. They they gave up a lot. I I wouldn't say they bought him. It was engineered. Yes. I think they gave up more than the Lakers gave up to get Anthony Davis. That's probably true. I mean, the Clippers had had a good, scrappy team the year before and gutted it. I mean, there were some guys who could play. But it... And it's still the kind of thing that you can do in L.A., but can you do it in Denver, Portland, Utah, and Indiana, and Milwaukee? I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Well, because you can't get Kawhi. I think you can do it here. I'm going to hold you, on to that. You're going to hold on to getting a, Ka- a Kawhi-level player. Not necessarily Kawhi himself, but a Kawhi-level player. I think this ownership slash management will get that done. I don't know who it is. I don't know when it is. But I believe it's sort of like the second coming. <laughs> It's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know when. when. I don't know when. Yeah, don't pick a date. Those people end up looking looking silly. I would never. I wouldn't. Uh, But they have one thing that we don't have, and it's a high, high level that we don't have, that they do. Extremely recognizable. And do you know what that is? What? They have Billy Crystal. There it is. Star power. He's a little past his prime. Yep. But he's still a recognizable hey. name. Clipper. No, n- not the... Go ahead. Clipper Daryl. Dar- Clipper Daryl. Come on. Uh, nah. What about Brian Dunseth? What about him? He's a Clipper fan. Lives here locally. <laughs> okay, that's nice. <laughs> there it is. He's so you. He really I- is, I've heard though. him say it about the Lakers. I know <laughs> where he's just, going. I know he just going hates the fact that everybody loves yeah. the Lakers. I, I know. I've heard so him. he roots for the Clippers. I've heard him talk about that. Everyone so. goes left. I'm going right. So I, I know where you're going. He's he's mentioned that, and I've enjoyed that. And when I was down there, I was a hardcore Clipper fan, too. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> but they suck so bad. Oh, they had a couple good years when Larry Brown was there. They had playoff uh, teams. Uh, but they have a much more identifiable celebrity fan than we have. That's a true story. Now, the Monty Python guy, I mean, plus his heart, but he doesn't have the star power of Billy Crystal. John Cleese, baby. And the, and and he's never been to a home game. <laughs> he's been to one road game. <laughs> he went to the Phoenix game. Yeah. And I didn't even know his name. Oh, really? I mean, I knew his face. Yeah. And he was, what, in The Fish Called Wanda? And so I recognized him mm-hmm. as an actor. Right? But I... But I don't get into this whole, the actor stuff and who's who. Uh, but I certainly knew his face. And then I had, when I first heard his name, I'm thinking, who's that guy? And then I, when I, once I put the face and the name together, I said, oh, yeah, of course, I know who that is. But I didn't, I didn't know him by name. I knew him by characters. Whereas Billy Crystal, I don't know any name characters that he played. But I know Billy Crystal. Yeah, well, he's Billy Crystal and everything. Right. I mean, the guy's as famous as could be. He's Billy Crystal. I've read books. He did that one-man play I saw. Uh, In addition to, you know, he was great with the Muhammad Ali impression. Well, the impressions don't really float my boat. They only do it for a while. And then you got to move on. It's the same thing over and over. Yeah, then you got to move on. 
I'm not I'm not a big impression guy. I mean, I recognize the talent of those guys who can do it, but that's just me. And it's funny in the time, but you you've got to evolve and keep going forward on that one because it. I mean, Billy Crystal's not going to do Muhammad Ali anymore, but he didn't need to. So we don't. They have the celebrity. Even the Clippers have the celebrity. So I think if I'm a jazz fan, which I am, hardcore, have been since '64, uh, that I would. I would just drum up the emotion at the league and just at the situation of they're viewed as having more star power and they've done nothing. As a franchise, the two comparisons aren't even close. Tyson says their owner's pretty freaking annoying. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one, Tyson. Yeah. Balmer's manic energy driving people nuts. Right. That, I can get so, that. Someone sent the, uh, had the gif of him in, uh, it's, he's like on stage the way they do those presentations at the. It was when they launched Windows 95. Oh, it was? It was it Windows was, 95 launch? Yeah, and, and he is sweating. He's up there. He's pumped up. He's pitted out his shirt, the sweat from the neck down the middle. Okay, that's gross. It looks like he's running a marathon. It's, it's, it's and disgusting. He's pacing on stage, hollering and getting all fired up. Who wants up? to see that? <laughs> It's out there, though. You can find it. All you is but Google. the flip side of that is he's a kid, and he's a fan. As opposed to some detached multi-billionaire who's just an investment and he doesn't really care. Yeah. And do you want that? The camera time maybe gets under my skin, but just a little. But I appreciate the fact that he's a fan, and he's like a 12-year-old boy. He's like you were with the Chargers. Yeah. You know, I was never really that kid, but, and I get that you were, and I don't have any problem with that because that's far more the norm than me. And so I appreciate that. I appreciate the fandom. I have a friend who uh, uh, went to, he lives here in the community. He didn't go here. He went to Pac-12 school, uh, and, but they're playing the Utes. Uh, the Utes are playing a game, and he went with his brother-in-law, and it was a close game. And he said his brother-in-law had his head down around his knees most of the time because he couldn't watch. He was so nervous. Well, then what's the point of that? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't that. I mean, I was into it. I wasn't that into it that I couldn't watch. My, my buddy's just sitting there watching the game, enjoying the game. He's laughing at his brother-in-law because he's so worked up about the game and it was so close and everything. And so he's all nervous about it. Uh, and that's sort of balmer, and that's that's okay though. I don't I don't necessarily mind that. I enjoy the emotion because it's not over the top and it's not interfering in the game or anything. Well, it's not really at somebody. It's his emotion positively. It's not him out there taunting people, riding people, and all that. Not that I'm aware of. Right. What he's I see is enjoying him, the Clippers. He's cheering for his team. Yeah, he's just a younger Cuban. Yeah. Although Cuban got in the way a few times. Cuban <laughs> became the story a little bit too much. Right. Unless I've missed something, I don't see where Balmer is the story outside of the fact that he owns the team and wants him to win. And if you haven't seen that uh, that video, I you just don't posted, want to. I just posted it on Twitter. I'm, well, I don't follow you on Twitter anymore, so <laughs> okay. I'm not. I'm not looking at that. There's one unfollow. Who wants to watch somebody who's <laughs> g- sweating and all gross? <laughs> Nobody wants to watch and it's that. All the way around just the Google, collar. Just I'm not going to watch it. Collar in the back. Just Google Sean Miller if you want to watch that. Why don't you just talk about snot running down your nose and licking it? I hey, mean, can we do a, wow, can, can we do other gross things quickly? Yeah, thanks to you. How's Virginia and ODU going? Zero zero, man. Third, third inning now. Yeah, top of the three. All right, 
Last spot in the NCAA Sweet 16, the Super Regionals. Morning college baseball has PK going this morning. As it should. Updates next. I know you can't wait. Plus, Mike Smith coming up at 8.30. Find out if he shot a 32 recently. We'll talk with him about that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The one thing I did not want to see was Kawhi Leonard in the second round for the Utah Jazz. It's not about Paul George to me. I mean, Paul George disappears, and he probably will do it again. To me, it's about a guy that's been there and done that multiple times, and that worries me. The thing that I think that I have a lot of confidence in the Jazz in this series is that the Clippers are going to deal with a scoring onslaught that they have not had to deal with in quite some time. While the Jazz may not have a Luka on their team. They've got the best defensive player in the NBA. They've got a high-level scorer in Donovan Mitchell. They've got high-level three-point shooting. If the Jazz get their open looks and their offense is able to run unimpeded by that Clipper defense, then I think the Jazz win the series, and frankly, I think they win it in six. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. Question of the day. We can't really chant beat LA, can we? John wants people to chant beat the Buffalo Braves. It's old school NBA history. Bob McAdoo. Back in the day. Scott wants people to chant beat LA's JV team. Mm, that's that's uh, pouring a little gas on a the fire there, man. And it, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. I don't know that you can get that in concert with 18,452 people. 18306, you know, you just did that on purpose. David says, how about beat San Diego? Oh, wait, that was a while ago. I'm okay with beat L.A. Jonathan wants signs about the paperclips, playoff P, and the Buffalo curse. People don't take signs the game as much anymore, do they? That used to be a thing. Uh, I don't know that it's any less or any more. Really? Do you? Maybe it seemed like it was less, just like I'm seeing less. I got okay. nothing scientific, All right. whatever I see on camera. Seems like the NBA's gone more with the, uh, the colored shirts in the arena and all that. Well, that's up to the individuals to bring in the signs. Grayson wants to chant, beat the clips, beat the clips. Can you go three, though? Beat the cl- eh, yeah, it's like beat LA. That's three. Yeah, but LA's kind of one though. It just rolls together. I don't think it is two. I think it's one. Beat LA. It's more rhythmic. Uh, Legally Grand will be chanting. It says I'll be chanting. Windows ninety five sucked. <laughs> he doesn't care. It didn't for him. Got his billions. Yeah. <laughs> he now owns a team in LA. Man, didn't he pay over two bill for it? He paid two billion straight. Paid up. two billion when teams had been gone for like five or six hundred oh, so like million. Double the yeah. yeah, yeah. He blew like the valuation out of the water. So there was no choice but to give it to him. He was the highest bidder by far. Man, that's unbelievable to have that kind of cash and 
no financial worries. I wouldn't have any idea what that's been about. Loogie's Dead says, ah, we've already won by virtue of the fact that we don't actually live in Los Angeles. Okay, how about Newport? I was going to say, there's some spots down there. Well, that's, that's different. Laguna Niguel. Redondo. Manhattan. That's much more. That's much closer than those places, and so yeah, I mean, depending. I mean, you get, but you got to put up with a lot. There's a lot of traffic. Uh, it just it's crowded everywhere all the time. So it, it, you sort of learn to negotiate that, and you built it into your lives. Yep. So if you, I was down there on the Fourth of July one year. Wanted to see a college friend who said. And they live in Pacific Palisades. And so we don't leave on the 4th of July. Oh, you got friends who live in Pacific he's, Palisades? He's a, he's a divorce lawyer. He's done quite well for himself. Suck. Yeah. Holy freak. Yep. He's done quite well. But he says they don't leave. They don't leave because it's what you say about the traffic. They said on the 4th of July, everyone going to the beaches. We tried it. It takes forever to leave. It takes forever to get back in. It's a nightmare. We've learned not to go anywhere on the 4th of Are July. Are you sad that the soccer doesn't allow you to see your buddies anymore? Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> but that's what I was there for, so I didn't see him on that trip. Of course trip. that's what yeah. you were there for. You wouldn't go there on your own? <laughs> I actually have gone there. You've gone there. to Pacific Palisades on your own? No. I did not go to Pacific Palisades. <laughs> right. You had a brother who lived on Orange County. We get that. Yeah. But that's a long ways away. That it is. Got a cousin in Long Beach, that's, too, if you need to know everything. Oh, you've <laughs> gone to Long Beach to visit your cousin? I have. On your own? Well, I t- we've got yes, Carl's. See. got sister-in-law and Carl's bad. We usually do the hat trick. Hit all three of them. Okay, yeah. As to the answer for the whole sign deal, I just got a call from somebody reminding me of this. You can't have a sign bigger than 11 by 18. It's an NBA rule Oh, an NBA rule And now. actually, there are, there are nights, or well, I guess early mornings, that I'll come in here, and I'll walk in the entrance, and there will be a bunch of signs. like That they gathered at the door up. because yeah. they were bigger than 11 by 18? Correct. And when did that, that change at some point? It's Yeah, it's changed in recent years. Oh, okay. It so you're right. Be, yeah, it used to be you could have... Bigger signs. Yeah. Wait, so you still can't have the guy with the D and the next guy next to him with the fence? Not bigger than 11 by 18, sure. Cause that you think of the possibilities? Going to get the neighborhood together, get some good signage going? No. Not me. I, I don't really pay attention to any of that stuff, though. Yeah. I'm there for the game. I'm not there for the halftime. I'm not there for well, the Well, there's other people there for the game, and they yeah, can't I, see through the signs. That's probably the issue. Hey, I'm here for the game. I can't see the court. I Put don't need the music. Uh, the, it could be a sterile environment as the bubble. And then I you'd be, be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there to watch the game. That's it. I'm not there for the announcers. I'm not there for anything. I'm there to watch the game. When I turn it on, I watch the What about the, the mascots? No. I know. But they're all fine. I don't have anything against them, but if that's not for me. I don't. I don't need it. It's not like I dislike any of that, but I don't need it to have me connected to it. It's about the premier players out on the floor that I get to watch and the and the competition. I'm a competition. The essence of it is I'm a comp- competition junkie. He says. He says while watching Old Dominion yeah. in Virginia, scoreless in the bottom of the third and knowing nobody in either team quite just, intently as well. Just watch people, man, woman, doesn't matter. Watch them compete. I watch the. Uh, the women's open there over the weekend. 
and Lexi Thompson blowing a lead there. I mean, I can watch that because they're competing at their highest level. But if other people want all that other stuff, that's fine. Great. If it adds to your enjoyment, because ultimately it's entertainment. So whatever entertains I mean, yeah. you, good for you. I mean, I think that's the, that's the essence of why these things exist from the fan perspective is entertainment. It's a form of entertainment, which is why I don't get worked up on winning and losing. It's uh, it's entertainment, and I take it as that, and that's my perspective on it, which allows me to enjoy it very, very much. But at the same time, but I often wondered, uh, am I missing something? Am I missing not having the exhilaration of the team win that you get when your team wins? Because I don't get that. I've opted out of that. But I don't get the despair either. Am I missing something? Yes. I can't necessarily <laughs> argue with that. But I don't know that it matters that you're missing it, if that makes any sense. I mean, you're absolutely well, missing kind something. Of a, you're kind of and that contradiction was, And that was fun, yeah. Yeah, but you're getting your enjoyment. So other people are getting this enjoyment over here. But they got to have their team win in order to get it. Yes. I'm, as long as it's a good game, I'm guaranteed to have enjoyment. Watching Kawhi Leonard Friday night, highly, highly entertainable. But I didn't have that like surge of, yeah, that type of thing because my team won. So I wonder if I've missed out all these years. It's too late. I ain't changing. <laughs> it's way too late. I think it's, well, first off, you started in a weird place. But I think given the profession you chose, that that's the way it evolves for most people. And right. I also think that that's just the way it evolves for a lot of people over the course of their lives. You know, my, my, grandfather, really? my grandfather mellowed out big time. He, I thought he had been really into it, and later he was kind of like, eh. We gotta go to hey, break, but we gotta discuss this because I gotta I gotta interrogate you about your grandfather. We'll do that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Christian Roberts Mortgage. If you're gonna work with an expert for your next home loan, you need to connect with the most referred lender in Utah, Christian Roberts Mortgage. They specialize in jumbo loans. All right. So tell me about granddaddy. Grandpappy James. What was he a fan of? San Diego teams. He lived in San Diego basically his whole life. Okay. He so. emigrated when he was, uh, the journey that your parents took, he took from England with his mom when he was like, uh, probably three, I think. So what were we doing? Chargers and Padres? Chargers, Padres, and uh, later Aztecs. But yeah, he actually went door to door with petitions to get the thing on the ballot and get the stadium built and passed in the well, 60s. Then of course. He was, uh, he and was then ask, into it. And door to door asking people if they wanted to know more. I understand that. So he, and had, then, he had some door-to-door experience. Then had the Chargers. And we know why he came to the States. I know you don't want to get into it, but it's okay. And then he had the Chargers season tickets. It winds up really nicely here. <laughs> he's, he's not Italian. There's part that doesn't matter. No. no, no, no. We, we know. And you want to keep it cool because, you know, non-Mormons buy sneakers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Throw a little MJ into the discussion. Hey, it's a good line. <laughs> It is a good line. TV people have to be popular. The only guy in the history of television who succeeded and didn't worry about his popularity was me. (laughs) (laughs) And Howard Cosell. You're one of two. Okay, in Utah. And so he got worn down. But see, I wonder if the teams that he rooted for would have been like the in his day, like when was this? This will shock you, but in his day, he thought the money got out of hand. 
<laughs> Good thing he's not with us now. Yeah, and I get some people get upset about that, and I think that's one of the reasons that maybe people have been turned off. But I've always sort of rolled with it. That's why I said there's no losers in pro sports. I mean, I identified that as a young age, so I've accepted that. That's just an ultimate, not a fringe benefit, the benefit. Mm-hmm. To, to literally have zero financial worries is just mind-boggling, staggering to me. When I had a father who worked at 82 years old, he was still cleaning schools because he needed the money. Uh, so it's impossible for me to comprehend that, which is why I don't worry about it, I, because these guys are out, paid outrageously. The, the thing that I absolutely love is when you got a Joe Ingles come on here and say, I mean, we're just paid outrageously. <laughs> right. You know, at least so, say it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So at least appreciate it and be grateful for it and stop whining about uh, disrespect and this and that when, you know, and then, that, and then the ultimate insult, it's not about the money. Well, if it's not, that just means you got $50 million in the bank. And so it's about respect and money equals respect. Well, don't play those games with me. So I try to eliminate that. But I wonder if your grandfather, if his team's, would have won at a high, high level if then he would have been still into it and he wouldn't have lost his passion because we see in this very arena uh, older people, Mm -hmm. older women that are just delirious when the Jazz are doing well. And so I wonder for some people if it actually increases as you get older because you get less mobile, you may not have, if you're retired, you may not have as much money. So the Jazz, if you're a shut-in, the the, the Jazz end up becoming a a high form of entertainment and something that you look forward to all 72 or 82 in a regular season because they're playing, and that's the highlight of your day. So I wonder if, for some people, if it means even more as they get older. I think it does. I think it goes, uh, I think for, you're right. I think for some people, they focus on it more and they use it as an escape, you know, depending on what's going on in your life. And other people, I mean, obviously you're getting into your 70s. I remember him going to his 50th high school reunion and uh, I saw him a couple days later. I was over at their place. How was he? He goes, not as many of us as there were at the 40 reunion. There are only a few of us hanging on now. And, uh, and he was overselling. A few? At 50? He was overselling a little bit. I, I just think he'd that lost. That you put you 70 years old. I think he'd lost people who were close to that him. That sucks. Yes. But people die in their 60s. I know. And, and so I just think he lost people he was close to. And it was his way of kind of downplaying it, but acknowledging it. And so I think that that kind of, when you got that kind of stuff going on in your life, it either makes that stuff Way more important or way less important. Okay, but, and why one person does one and the other, I got no idea see, for See, the you. difference between me and him, though, if the Padres would have won. Would he have been into it even more? Yes. If they would have won the whole thing. And a couple of good teams along the years. Yeah. If they would have won it. He was, he was like you in that he liked the competition. He could, on a Saturday afternoon, if I was over at their place on a weekend, on a Saturday afternoon, it didn't matter if it was baseball or Well, you slept football. over when you were 17 regularly, didn't you? Not regularly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little on the busy side. That was more when I was younger. It's not that I didn't go over later, but it was just it was kind of busy. Oh, yeah. What were you doing? 
You're busy. I mean, well, a lot of daw. Freaking busy. Like, High school. I ain't got time for you, you old people. I'm busy. I'm, I got my life. <laughs> what ungrateful you know what you were. <laughs> Suck. That's the time they needed you the most. You needed they needed you the most and you weren't there. I had I had to go take the SATs. I don't know what to tell you. I had high school That's basketball. Three hours. I had high school basketball. Twice. I wasn't going over on, on Friday night. Well, it's Saturday day. It's all about time. You don't have to tell me. Yeah, geez. I mean, you people, you know, you run that up the flagpole enough. You'd think you would have actually lived what you preached. You hypocrite. Yeah, pretty much. Holy freak. I feel bad for the Jameses. He could watch anything, though. College football, whatever college football game was on, it didn't matter. He could watch it. Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock, he was eating lunch in front of the TV watching the game. With the big screen. Smoking his stogies. Pre-big screen. He gave gave up the stogies. Well, yeah. Wait, that doesn't fit the narrative. Uh, (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously he gave up. I mean, in order to enter, you have, you know, we understand the process. We know that. So he didn't have the big screen, Yach, unlike somebody else we know. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're bored now. We got, got a playoff game tonight. I'm Why are you so bored? bored? I'm you're, not bored. You're interviewing me about my grandfather's sports watching you habits. You said I got a big TV. He, yeah, see. Thank you. That took right. some time. We expected it more quickly, Yach. <laughs> You're off your game. You're in there analyzing point spreads on the Jazz and the Clippers tonight. Not playing drops that humiliate me. See, Point I, spreads on college football. Let's be oh, is that what it I is? think okay. your grandfather would have been into it if the Padres, Chargers, I don't know, that college football is kind of... He, he really, actually he got into the Aztecs. He, we had yeah, I know, but there's went. not an ultimate prize right. there to, yes. be, to be had. That's just for the select few. So that's a little bit... You can still have a whole lot of fun. You just win the Rose Bowl this year. Who gives a flying you-know-what yeah. what happens after that? But it's not the ultimate prize. It's not compared as at the pro level. Yes. You win a World Series, you win the NBA ship, that type of thing. Yes. So Even after all the kids had grown up and gone off to college, Dad and Grandpa were still going to San Diego State games. They had a good time. And that's but great. you're right. Yeah. There was no, you know. And, it's it, but it was a different more, entity. Yeah, it was more what big-time school can they get to come in and play them, and can they beat them? And so he was going to, you know, see Miami and Oklahoma. And there was a time in his life when they were playing, you know, L.A. State and San Fernando Valley State and Long Beach, U- Long Beach and Fullerton and UC yeah. Santa Barbara, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, So to think that it was kind of like Oklahoma's coming Which here. Which isn't that far back. I mean, I was living in L.A. when Long Beach had a, te- a team. Jordan yes. Allen was the coach. Right. But I wonder, are our fans here... As you grow older, though, is the passion dissipating and is it morphing more into an activity? Because when I sit in the arena at the start, like tonight, at the game tips off at 8, no, I'm probably a little bit after, but anyway, five minutes before, you just feel the passion. So to me, it doesn't seem like as they grow older that the passion is dropping it seems to be just as intense, if not more so, because more so meaning that, hey, we believe this team has a legitimate chance. And that increases your intensity because they're better. This, this, to me, this is obvious. This is the best chance this very season to win it all since the statues. I, don't, I mean, I don't think there's any argument there. There is none. Right. So doesn't that 
then increase your intensity. So I'm expecting this place for every home game going forward to be absolutely electric. We know they have two guaranteed left, but I think they'll have more than that, certainly. And we'll see if they have it in the next round and whatever. And so even though you're getting older and life to an extent has worn you down, I'm wondering if that's the reason, though, why you're into it more, because you're going to appreciate it more. You have a better understanding. If you're 20 years old, 15 years old, whatever it might be, maybe you don't understand as much that this doesn't come around this often. But here it is right now. It's legitimate. You had the best record in the league for a reason, because you have a really good team. It's not injuries. Injuries did the other teams didn't give you the best record. You gave yourselves the best record. And so by virtue of that, you're really good. And so I think that the way I see it, I can't necessarily get into the winning and losing, but I think people are into it more than ever. And and then we've had some people who say, well, yeah, the so-and-so's uh, uh, political beliefs. Now, I talked to a former professional athlete this very weekend who grew up here, played college ball here, played at the highest level, and he told me, I am out. I am out. Because? The political stuff. Oh, okay. He said that I check scores because I live in the community, and he's lived in the community his whole life. And if I said the name, you would absolutely know who the name is. And I don't want to say he startled me, but his passion against it was pretty strong. And saying that he doesn't, he just can't get into it anymore because, and he went right to LeBron. That was his trigger point was LeBron and all the stuff that he said and he just was very very strong but he did he did admit but I do know what's going on I'm wondering though if that is the minority case and all that stuff you can put it aside because this team today literally today has a chance to make a major step towards getting to the NBA finals and that gets you so fired up and the winning and losing, if they lose tonight, it's going to be such a bummer. But if they win, that means they only have to win three out of six. They got to play 500 ball, and they will advance to the Western Conference Finals. That's where I think more people are at. Could be wrong. That's what I think. I think the most people are there, but it doesn't seem as overwhelming to me as it did when they were making the runs in the 90s. And maybe it's because this is the first time this team has been a one or a two seed and really had a legit shot. Like, Can you get to the finals? And that was the question perennially. So maybe the hype over seven or eight years. And so if they're able to replicate, maybe not exactly this, but something close to this next year and the year after – It'll get to that level of hype. Really? And it's a, it's a weird year because of the pandemic, so you're not as in as many groups. So maybe the passion is there. Yeah, but that's over now. But it's but are there people still in be groups? 18,457 people tonight. That's not how many people there'll be in. If you count them, there will be. Count the extras. <clears throat> okay. So everything is back to normal. I mean, you got to wear a mask, I guess. Uh, is that the rule? But other okay, than but that. It, but it like in your in your life, are people back in the the viewing parties? Do people gather in your neighborhood the way they did? Are there people with flags on their cars? You don't have to gather; just drive them down the freeway. And there were just so many people with flags 
Flags? Gordon was complaining about it. It looks like a breakaway republic. Are we having a revolution? What's going on? Flags are the big deal? Yeah, just people wearing jazz clothing all day long. So wherever you go at noon, it doesn't matter if you're at the store, you're picking up lunch somewhere. Is everybody geared up a jazz shirt, a jazz jersey, a jazz hat, whatever? Retail places to get the ultra big. Nice, flag that's flag. better. Oh, See, flag. <laughs> not in there listening to other shows. I'm just waiting for you to give yeah. me an opening for it. That, no, that was good. I like that. That was that was. Okay, my wife took a picture of a car yesterday. She actually sent to me. I think the license plate was like Jazz Fan. That's eternal. Yep. And she did tell me she was at the nail shop last week, and at the nail shop, all the people in there. She said people. I assume ladies. I don't know. That she said they're all talking about the jazz. So she brought now that's anecdotal evidence. Right. It's not But maybe there's more isolated. Of it. Maybe there's more of it out there. It seemed like it it seemed like then I couldn't go you couldn't avoid it. How giddy they, are the news anchors? They that's were, my problem. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's that part of it. The media's changed. People aren't all reading whatever feature or column or, you know, all that stuff kind of tied us together and reinforced the hype. You mean that great piece of the Tribune ran on A1 and Brian Russell growing up? That one. See, that kind of, no, in all seriousness, no, that kind of thing where you really, you really knew players' stories. Do you really know player stories now? I mean, you watch them on TV, so you know some of their habits, you know a little bit of the backstory. Do you need to know them, though? Does that matter? Mm, do, I think it just depends on the person. That's that's an answer. Oh, of course, you know. but I mean, we're talking generally. Do yeah, people because I want think people... to know about these guys' lives? Joe Ingles now, he's just basically opened the door. Yes, and I think people that's embrace him. And people embrace him because of that. So for a lot of people, and there are other people who can just walk right by it and like, you know, everybody's got something going on in their life. That's what's going on in Joe's, so be it, you know. Uh, but there are people who definitely embrace that. And honestly, you're one of them. You love you love people's stories. But if they okay, but if they I don't need it though. If Stockton no, wants to keep his story to himself, so be it. Now Malone, it wasn't kept. Right. It became very public and not all flattering. Yes. Human beings are complex. Right. But B. Russ's story was out there. Jeff Hornacek had Gordon over, you know, the home bigger than the biosphere or whatever that was. I don't know that one. Oh, you don't? Yeah, he wrote Who something. Who has a biosphere? The, the, remember they did the biosphere down in Arizona. Why it's Arizona. You, why would you have a bias against sphere? No, you're just making stuff up now. Don't try to drag me <laughs> off point. Don't try to drag me off point. What's my bias against sphere? <laughs> you're good at this. <laughs> The Brian Russell story was one of the best stories I ever did. That you fell into. <laughs> I didn't fall into it. Well, a little bit. Stumbled? Use my instinct. Sure. Okay. Going to the school. Le- le- editor says, you're our L.A. guy. Go down to L.A. and do an A1 feature on Brian Russell. <laughs> oh, okay. So you get on a plane and you got nothing. I, he lives in San Bernardino of all places. Sam two Bernardino. hours away from where I we, right. we didn't know that San Bernardino would become a punchline years later, but that's two hours from where I was. It wasn't exactly down the street, so I was panicked. So I make a plane reservation and go down there. And I show up at his school, his high school. Now which that's I think good. it was literally that's, San Bernardino High. That's good. That's good instinct. I there. had no idea what to do. Nothing. Right, but Zero. going but going to the school, it's like okay, somebody here is going to know him. So you yeah. got a little bit of logic, although. You still got nothing. You're walking in the door with nothing. 
Hey, anybody here know him? Literally to the secretary. <laughs> yes, I just show up <laughs> off the street. You probably couldn't even walk in now. No, you probably couldn't. <laughs> you really, you couldn't <laughs> close campuses. Yeah. And I say, I'm from the Salt Lake Tribune. I'm here. I gotta get some information on Brian Russell. Oh, come with me. Takes me to a lady that basically raised him. Within 45 minutes, the lady's sobbing because she had had breast cancer and Brian was paying for all of her treatments and blah, 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 blah. And she had been up to visit many, many times. And ironically, he lived like a quarter of a mile from my house. Literally lived, and I knew he lived in the area because a bunch of people had told me they saw him at the grocery store, at the gas station, blah, 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 mm-hmm. because he got to got to eat food and got to gas up. And so people had told me that. And it ended up being a killer story. And I didn't win any awards for it. <laughs> but it was a great story. They don't, that's the award stuff is bogus. They don't even freaking know the background on how to do it and what you need to do to come Only up with certain it. kinds in TV, only certain kinds of stories can win. You had a chance. There was cancer involved. So that's the kind of story. It can't really be about sports. It's got to be loosely about sports. It was an incredible story TV. about yeah. he and these, uh, these, these teachers and coaches that helped him under the situation. All right, game one tonight. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. We'll get his thought on the matchups and what he's going to be watching for, and we will do that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The one thing I did not want to see was Kawhi Leonard in the second round for the Utah Jazz. It's not about Paul George to me. I mean, Paul George disappears, and he probably will do it again. To me, it's about a guy that's been there and done that multiple times, and that worries me. The thing that I think that I have a lot of confidence in the Jazz in this series is that the Clippers are going to deal with a scoring onslaught that they have not had to deal with in quite some time. While the Jazz may not have a Luka on their team. They've got the best defensive player in the NBA. They've got a high-level scorer in Donovan Mitchell. They've got high-level three-point shooting. If the Jazz get their open looks and their offense is able to run unimpeded by that Clipper defense, then I think the Jazz win the series, and frankly, I think they win it in six. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network beginning tomorrow at 1.30. The Zone will count you down to the start of the college football season as Hans and Scotty will announce the first selection of the top 60 players in the state of Utah. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you? Good. Mike, we have an important question for you as a guy who played for the Clippers, broadcast for the Clippers, lived in L.A. (laughs) Yes. Basketball fan etiquette. Can jazz fans chant beat L.A. during this series, or that's a (laughs) Laker-Dodger thing, and the Clippers and Angels don't get to get in on that? Oh, my goodness. That we battled that for years, right? Uh, being a Clipper Clipper player, I didn't know much about it, right? Like uh, growing up here in LA, I did grow up in LA, so maybe 15 minutes away. Uh, but for the last 30 years, I've lived an hour away, so I don't know how to put it in Utah geography. I grew up in, let's say, Holiday, kind of to Salt Lake, and now I live in Provo to LA, if that makes sense, and. So, yeah, they will forever 
the Clippers be, you know, the the little brother, basically. I could say it in another way that probably wouldn't be appropriate, but, I mean, they are forever going to battle those 17 titles the Lakers have, and I guess if they were to get this far and win it this year, I guess that would be the first first chance to start to rewrite history or go forward. But, I mean, just think about it. In this town, everybody, and their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather is a Laker fan or a Dodger fan. So the Clippers have done well to grab what attention they have. And most of their fans, I think, that have turned are of the younger generation, right, with with some of their players, Kawhi and Paul George. But uh, this is this is a Laker and Dodger town. I think it always will be. Okay, can the Clippers, or have they been able to use that to their advantage in any way? They've tried. You know, they, they've tried. They've been able to go get a popular coach in Doc Rivers, and they were able to make a great move for a Chris Paul to join a Blake Griffin, who they, you know, stumbled upon as the first pick in the draft, and they had their chances then. Um... But it's going to take more than one title. It's going to take, you know, it's going to take a little bit of a dynasty, almost like a warrior's run to really divide this city. And But they're trying. They're doing their best. You know, they've changed the logos. They've made them more modern. And I don't know. It's it's just, it's almost an unfair fight, right? I don't think they'll ever, ever be able to do it. The Lakers, just look at the Lakers, top 10 players of all time. Like, like the Lakers have... Ten of the greatest twenty players of all time have played for their franchise, and so the Lakers did themselves no favors this year, right? And by the way, PK, it's nice to hear your voice because after last last week's Alema Harrington golf event, I can now put a name with the face. I can now picture you. This is cool. Yeah, you probably didn't recognize how good looking I am. Exactly true, and, and uh, you know. Uh, by the way, DJ talked so authoritatively. I always thought he was the better looking of the two, but now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have visual evidence. Well, that's the great thing about me is my greatness is equal to my humility. <laughs> it should be fun tonight, right? Well, I'm curious what you think here. One matchup to watch, one thing to watch for. You could probably watch five things at once. You've watched enough film in your life, enough basketball. But for Jazz fans, give them one thing to watch that will have a major impact on who wins or loses this game. It's hard to just pick one, right? But, but like, the, the, the Clippers have, I mean, they really have length and athleticism at the wing spot. Like, no other team in the league can put on Donovan and Bogey and Joe. So I'm talking about Paul George, Kawhi, and even Nicholas Batum. And so they have three guys, and those three guys I just mentioned are all 6'8". They all have long wingspan. They're all known for their defensive abilities. Uh, I think the Batum thing is overrated, but he is long. And in the NBA, the NBA in the last 10 years loves length, and they love these athletic guys like a Pascal Siakam who they can turn into an offensive player because they have these physical God-given abilities that make them long and anomalies. And so they can put those three guys on the Jazz defenders. And so what you're going to see, I really believe, because the Clippers did this to the Mavericks, is they went to small lineups and they switched all pick and rolls. They switched all come-togethers. They're going to switch any go-bear screen and roll action and eliminate 
the immediate impact of the dribbler. It's my opinion. Um, and so there are teams who tried to do this a little bit to the, to the Jazz this year, and for a quarter or so, they, they befuddled the Jazz. The Rockets did it once or twice with a really small lineup. Washington gave them fits. Even Phoenix would take Aiton out of the lineup and kind of go small and, you know, have Booker and Mikhail Bridges and these longer crowd or these longer wing to everything and eliminate. You can picture it, right? You can picture Ingles and how much advantage he typically has off a, a Gobert screen set. And, you know, then Joe getting a little advantage going left, which is either a drive and a kick or a lob to Rudy or his little left-handed layup. And so that's, that's one thing to watch for is that small lineup. But to counter that, and the thing to watch for, this is the one thing I would say that really is the key to the series, other than the Jazz shooting. I feel like Conley, when healthy, will deliver. I feel like Clarkson will deliver and Mitchell's going to deliver because they're that good. If Bogey, Ingles, O'Neal, Nyang, those four, shoot well, let's just say shoot their averages in the series, the Jazz will win. But the matchup for me is Gobert on the offensive end. Whoever they guard him with, if they guard him big with Zubats or if they go small, Ibaka here is out tonight but uh, may be ready for other games. But if they guard him with a smaller guy, or even if they do this switching I'm talking about, Gobert has to roll. He has to roll with authority. And then DJ and PK, he's got to catch in traffic. Catch in traffic, keep it high, get fouled or finish. That, to me is the one key that just has to happen. I feel like the rest is going to take place. The Jazz are good enough, feeling a good enough momentum. They're not going to be bothered too much by the Clippers' length, per se, if Gobert becomes that, that factor. So I'd say that's – I feel like he'll deliver on defense, but on offense, if Rudy is strong and tough and catching lobs and finishing, um, I think that the series swings the Jazz way. So what I'm hearing from you, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, even with the Clippers' length and their ability to cover space and all, offensively from the Jazz, don't really change anything. Keep doing what you're doing. You have to, right? You, 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 can't, you can't reinvent the wheel at this point. There's, there's a reason you're the number one record in the league, and there's a reason you've played so well, and there's a reason you blow through Memphis. Listen, Donovan, right before our very eyes, is becoming – as good as anybody on that other side of the floor. Yeah. Like he is, right? Is Look at his career playoff average. I think it's like 26, 27.5 maybe for his career. That's incredible. That's number six all time in the history of the game for anybody who's played more than, you know, maybe 25 playoff games. And if you go back just the last two years, he's at 33.5. So you can't tell me that in the last two years, those two teams that, the Jazz played, didn't have defenses designed to stop him, too. So I feel like Donovan is not only coming of age, he's there. Right. And whatever questions about his ankle were unanswered last series are now answered, right? He's healthy. He's got to feel that. He would have been the only one who would have been a little hesitant. Okay, can I do this? Can I jump? Can I cut? Those answers are all, those questions are all answered now. He's ready to go. His shot looks unbelievable. And yeah, PK, I feel like they're, they don't need to change. There may be a minor tweak or two, right, that Quinn's going to implement to foil, you know, what switches they do. When somebody switches the pick and roll, you then fake the pick 
and dive or release or slip the pick so that you always keep them guessing, right? Because if they're just sitting on the screens and waiting up high like they're going to jump out and stop the dribbler from going right or left, the guy coming to set the pick, if it's Gobert, it's not always Gobert, but if he comes, he slips that pick two steps before he gets to the pick, and all of a sudden the defense then reacts. There's a kick in from the weak side and then a quick ball reversal, and you got open threes. So the beauty about basketball and the pick and roll, the oldest play in the world, is no matter what, how you decide to defend it, there's a counter for it. So there'll be those little tweaks. But the Jazz are the Jazz, and the Jazz are good enough to win it all. And so we've been saying that all year. If they play well, shoot well, which is their method, then they got a chance. And uh, I think it's so stinking cool to be one of the final eight teams in the league and have a chance. So the two-man game, the pick-and-roll is ancient, and Jazz fans have watched Stockton and Malone run it. They watched Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer run it. Now they're watching the Jazz run it with Gobert and a whole host of actors. But the thing they've been doing also is where they turn the pick-and-roll into a three-man game. And sometimes it's a double screen for the, the guy with the ball, but sometimes the two people coming to set a screen actually screen for each other and somebody dives the hoop. There's a billion options off it. Is that three-man game and Gobert diving out of that that you just referenced, is there a way for them to use that to go get Gobert an easy bucket once a quarter, really keep the Clippers guessing, which then makes you think, which makes you react slower, which means no matter how athletic you are, you're playing a half step slower than you normally do. Is there something in that three-man game? You mentioned grouping coming together. Is there something in that where they can throw something at the Clippers that keeps the Clippers off balance? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in, in, in this case, think about it. To prepare for round two, uh, I mean, the Jazz have about the same amount of time as they had to prepare for round one, even though that will whole week off because they didn't know who they were playing in round one. Uh, I guess they've now known for two days, but they would have been preparing for both defenses, right? They, they knew at this point Clippers or Mavs. I will say this in that Mavs series, I was screaming at the TV for Rick Carlisle to use Maranovic more because he was effective. That size on those rolls was effective. And poor Luka Doncic. I mean, Guys, is that guy any good or what? He's the best 22-year-old in the world. He, he is Larry Bird at 22. He's Magic at 22. He's LeBron at 22. This guy is so far advanced intellectually in his basketball IQ that it's a shame he doesn't have any good players with him. Porzingis is terrible. He can't do anything. Hardaway tries, but he's average. The other cast of characters on Dallas, come on. If you're Mark Cuban in Dallas, don't you trade the farm and every future draft pick you have right now to go get a wing scorer to help him. Go get Bradley Beal. Go get some wing scorer to help. Luka is that good right now. No draft pick you get is going to catch up to the level of uh, a Luka Doncic. And so the NBA's changed, right? You, you draft guys, you develop them. The NBA is kind of like win now. Brooklyn's proving it. The Lakers proved it last year. The Jazz are like this old-school, great franchise that's so successful because they're so well-coached and they draft so well and they develop so well that they're competitive every year, that they do it in spite of being able to get a high draft pick 
or a significant free agent yet. The trade for Conley's brilliant. The bogey get is awesome. You got to say hats off to the Jazz. Now, I only bring that whole Luca thing up is because I was just screaming for Marjanovic to get more time because he needed another option in there. Basically, he was playing one on five. So it's a long way of answering. Yes, Rudy's roles are important. Again, he's got to catch and be strong. But yeah, whatever tw- preparation Quinn can do. Uh, when I was Clipper broadcaster, they kind of developed this little double high screen for Chris Paul. And so Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan would come up. If you can imagine this, they would come up the lanes. So they had corner shooter, corner shooter, Chris Paul 35 feet away straight up. They would bring up DeAndre and Blake Griffin up the side of the free throw lane. They would come to the top of the key and almost form a little V. So now they're setting a screen right and a screen left at the same time for Chris Paul. And Chris Paul would dance and then choose one way and then they would alternate which one would roll. So sometimes the strong side guy, whichever way Chris went, that guy would roll. And the other guy would go to the top of the key and be the facilitator, or they would reverse it, which worked really well when they would throw the ball to Blake at the foul line because he was such a great deliverer on lobs and kickouts. So there's, there's many things you can do when you involve a, a second picker. Those second picker can be in line, too, horizontally across the court. Here comes Gobert. He rolls. Now... Conley's going left. He's got a little advantage, but they switched it. He's got a big defender. Boom, here comes the wing shooter to set the next pick. And so it's it's going to be fun. I mean, you talk about chess match, and, you know, Tyron Lue's got a championship. So he's one of seven coaches in the league. He's got a title. So he's he's no dummy on the other side, but a lot of faith in Quinn and Alex and their staff and what they'll do. And, you know, I can't wait. Although I'm stuck in California, what the heck? <laughs> we, 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 should be, we should be live in you know, a pregame and a postgame. I know we can't compete with the National for the actual game, but, man, that would be fun to get, get people watching a little Mike and Alema pregame and Mike and Alema and Thurl and Bowler postgame. And... Anyway. I hear you. I digress. Are you are you ever in fear that you ask me one question and I go too too long? No, we go to ten o'clock. <laughs> if it was like nine fifty eight. I wouldn't. <laughs> but but at eight fifty, I'm okay. We got You're time. Okay. We'll roll with it. We'll adjust. I assume that this is going to be a long series. The Clippers got Paul George and they got uh, Kawhi Leonard, and they've played three playoff series, and they've had a six-gamer and two sevens. So I assume this is going to be long. It's the only thing they've done is play long series. Are you assuming this is six or seven? I do, yeah. I do, yeah. The Jazz are good enough, and I would think Vegas has the Jazz as the favorites. I don't like know those things or look at those things. You guys might be aware of those things. Uh, I think home court's going to be a huge part of this series. Uh, to this point, they have not opened up Staples Center uh, like they have Vivint, and I know we're going to increase capacity uh, for round two, so the place is going to be rocking. That's you know that's five points a home game, in my opinion. Those things matter. Those things really help your ancillary players. So call them your non superstars. You know George Niang and Royce O'Neal, uh, Bogey. Those guys are going to shoot with greater ease and flow under the home confines than they might on the road. And 
people say, oh, come on, Mike, those are pros, and it doesn't matter where they play. But, yeah, it kind of does matter a little bit, not to the stars usually, but to the other players. Sometimes that's just that extra little boost of confidence they need and that little roar of the crowd, the anticipation, that awe, that collective awe in the air when the guy's open for three, the ball swung, and here's Yang pulling up, and you can just hear that crowd. It almost helps you hold your follow-through a little better. I know that sounds almost too analytical and too deep, but it's actually true. You can feel it. Um, And the Clipper Stadium is not, you know, I don't know how many they've had, but I see a lot of paper cutouts on one side of the floor, which to me is super odd that the way they've configured their stadium for this minimized seating doesn't have the actual fans on the side that the camera would show because that would look like there were people there and maybe feel like a better advantage, but, but I don't know that they've made any announcements for, you know, their two home games in three and four, if they're going to increase capacity, but I think six or seven for sure. I think you're spot on. Well, as always, we appreciate the time, Mike. We're sorry you're stuck in California, but you don't have to go to the beach and make the best of it. (laughs) It is nice weather here, but you got nice weather this time of year. It's colder here, that's for sure. You guys are what, 9 o'clock there? It's probably warming up to 85 degrees, right? And here it's still 55. Ocean breezes, you got them. It's now 77 in my location on the phone. (laughs) <laughs> All right, boys. Let's let's go get let's go get game one. That's that's uh, that's that's the tone. Well, if Quinn puts me in, I'll do what I can. <laughs> Same here. I'll be cheering from afar. All right. Thanks, Mike. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz analyst for AT and T Sportsnet. Join us here on 1280 The Zone. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report, is coming up in about ten minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Joining us now, Jazz forward George Niang on the Big Show. So how do you slow down the combination of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Jeez, Gordon, you want me to email you the scouting report? You're asking me some <laughs> grilling questions right now. I'm just kidding. I mean, those guys were tremendous in their last series, and they're really good players. Obviously, it's going to be a collective group effort to slow those guys down. And you guys mentioned their bench. They have a full squad that can get it done, and I think it's going to take a collective group effort to slow those guys down. They can't let those guys linger around. And if they're not playing well. you got to continue to throw haymakers and knockout punches and look to build your lead against them. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision to Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. Jazz and the Clippers tonight, game one. You take anything away from the Suns and Nuggets game one? Yeah, Chris Paul looked really good, and they're going to be a tough out. And Denver, I admire their competitive spirit, but they're down two starters, two backcourt guys, and this Campazzo kid is a tough kid, 30-year-old rookie from, what, Argentina? Uh, and so I appreciate his ability and all. But you're going up against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So good luck with that. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, Jamal Murray can make a difference. Uh, Obviously, we saw it. In the bubble, may have been inflated, but still, he's still a good player. So 
I picked the Suns all the way. And if Chris Paul, he was six for if six Chris in Paul's, the fourth If quarter. Chris Paul's healthy, and and apparently it's nerve damage, not structural damage to his shoulder, so he gets hit right on it, he gets a stinger. Stings, yeah. And so he gets a stinger, and he got hit on it in the first quarter, and he didn't score in the first quarter. But that whole thing they were talking about in the previous series about, you know, does he have the strength to shoot three-pointers? Can you play off him? Because if, if you can, it's going to mess up their whole offense. But he had the strength playing the game. He hit two of three. So whatever that nerve thing was, you know, the fact that it's not some cartilage, ligament, you know, cracked bone, you know, all the things it could be, that it's not that structural thing, that it's a nerve no, thing. Frank Job is not going to operate on him. In a, in a weird way, that's, I guess, good news. It's great news. He was he's six gonna, for six in the fourth quarter. He's, yeah. And, so, and he looked like Chris Paul. Right. So if he's 100%, then the Suns are heavy favorites in this And Aiden has come into his own. He's getting it now. I think so. Which is this is his the third ability season. to to focus, the ability to produce yeah. quarter after quarter, half after half, game after game, as opposed to the whole roller coaster thing you were telling us about. He's up, he's down. Today I'm going to turn on the radio and they're going to bash on Aiton for a couple hours because yeah. he sucked the last two games. But that doesn't seem to be happening anymore. He was anymore. A, an Oster tag times fifty, but it's clicking now because his ceiling was much always much higher. And but the inconsistency was wild, and now and and he's doing it without being the big time focus. They're still and really that's the way the game is now. And if you know if you have Booker, I can understand you're still perimeter oriented, but he's still managing to stay intense, knowing that you may not get a touch for five times, but so what? Mm-hmm. You're still integral. We need you. And so I think Chris Paul and Monty Williams has gotten they've gotten the message through, and so he ends up with a twenty and ten. Yep. And, and so on, he's basically playing Jokic even. Nine of his thirteen shots, he made nine of his thirteen, and he had both his free throws. Right. He's never going to be a, at least now anyway a high volume shooter, but don't drift mentally. Right. But when you see Gobert and Ayton and anybody else in that role, nine of thirteen, really efficient. 20 and 10, you're having an impact on the game. Absolutely. And yes. the ball doesn't have to go through you. You're getting it on very few touches. So, Yes, if they should advance, they're legit. And they're going to be, if the Jazz should advance, they're going to be hard to beat. Now, if the Jazz don't advance and the Suns advance, then I'm going to pull for the Suns all the way. It's a fresh story. It's a great story. On many levels, it's a great story. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report. Next, Jazz Clippers Game 1. We'll get his thoughts, his picks next. Stay with us. DJ and PK reminding you to join Hans and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 to 2. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time to welcome back Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Good. Andy, what is the etiquette? Can Jazz fans chant "Beat LA" at the Clippers, or is that like a Laker thing, and you're just uh, you're just totally screwing up at that point? Good question. Um, I think they should go ahead and, and chant whatever they want. Push off P might be a little bit more effective, though. Wasn't that one that they used against Paul George a couple years ago? Yep. We got people tweeting that at us. You're you're, you're you got the vibe of the people. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm partial to that one. Although I. You know, all the uh, Joe Ingles, Paul George content I've seen in the last couple of days actually makes me a little bit nervous. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, Paul George, um, 
I don't, I don't know what I'm what I'm trying to say here without sounding terribly biased, but I, I would like to see Joe Ingles get in Paul George's head again. I'll just leave it at that. That's terribly biased. Well, that's an interesting concept of Paul George because watching him play for many years, and particularly this season, I've been saying that if I'm going to draw up a prototypical NBA athlete, it's going to be somebody like Paul George. You know, he's got the height, he's got the wingspan, he's got the agility, he can shoot, he can drive, he can defend. So it seems to me that, you know, he is the classic player in the NBA, but we know he's had his struggles in the postseason. I thought that, particularly playing off Kawhi and not having to be the number one dude, he was pretty doggone good in the first round series. So I'm expecting him to continue that. How do you see it? I think you're probably right. I, I would agree with everything that you said there. Um, and it certainly, he seemed to be setting himself up to be one of the premier guys in the league, especially if you go back to that season where I think he finished third and MVP voting, it seemed like everything was sort of coming together for him. Um, and I don't, there are, there are mental aspects of the game that are harder to, to analyze, I think, for anybody than the objective statistical type stuff. And there does seem to be a little bit of a mental block with him in the postseason. Um, it seems to, to basically go back to when he dubbed himself playoff P. Uh, I, I don't know if those two things are related or what, but he certainly had great moments as a playoff performer with the Pacers. Um, it's just been pretty inconsistent since then. Now, like you said, he was decent in the first round against Dallas. I'm sure he would like to shoot better than 31% from three, but his his basic numbers look pretty good. And when you've got Kawhi on your team, and, and Kawhi is going to command, at the very least, the best perimeter defender, um, and at certain times probably double teams, it's going to make it easier for Paul George to get good looks. Um, so maybe this is the postseason that he – breaks out of whatever slump that he's been in the last few years because like you said in terms of physicality what you want out of wings in today's game um just pure talent level he he should be one of the best players in the league and and statistically he has been um it's just that there does seem to be a little bit of a bugaboo with him in the playoffs so we all know the cliche live by the three die by the three but the jazz have so many good three-point shooters when they're open they're just not going to miss for that long so the question is, if the Clippers switch everything, are they really going to be able to limit the number of open shots the Jazz get? I don't, I don't think they are. Um, and live by the three, die by the three is, is true in a lot of cases. But with this particular Jazz team, like you said, are they really going to die by the three four out of seven games? Um, and, and the evidence over the course of the season has suggested no. They won't. And, and, you know, funny things happen in the playoffs. And the thing about the Clippers, this particular matchup is tough because they're a team that can probably go shot for shot with the Jazz um, in terms of three-point shooting. They didn't, they didn't take and make as many as the Jazz did this season, but I believe they finished, and I'm, I'm checking it now, they did finish the season first in three-point percentage. They've got a bunch of different guys who can hit threes, Um so if it, if it becomes a shootout, the Clippers may be as well-equipped as anyone left in the playoffs to you know go three for three with the Jazz. But that there will be, I would say, at least one or two games where the Jazz make more than their average when they hit 19 or 23s. Those are going to be tough games to win, even for the Clippers. Um, so live by the three, die by the three has been a, a mantra in the league for a long time, and there's a lot of truth to it. But 
we've never seen a team take and make as many as the Jazz. Um, and, and they do it at a very efficient rate, despite all the attempts that they do take. So um, it's it's true, but it may be difficult to apply to this Jazz team just because they're they're basically un- not basically they are unprecedented. The way that they shot the ball this season is is unprecedented. Obviously, they set the record for threes per game, and um, you know they they are a dynamic three point shooting team. I think it'll continue through the playoffs. I, I'm not sure it'll be enough to beat the Clippers. There's just so much top end talent there. Um, but that amount of shooting gives you a chance against just about anybody. Inevitably, the Clippers will go small, whether it's to start the game or later in the game, later in the series some point. It's going to happen, and so you've got Gobert on the other end. Who has the advantage, do you think, when the Clippers employ that particular strategy? Yeah, that's a good question, and I think you're right. They're they're going to go small. That's kind of what turned the tide of that series against the Mavericks, and I I think there's reason for some concern with that if you're a Jazz fan or you're in the Jazz organization. But um, the Clippers going small is a lot different than Golden State going small a few years ago or Houston going small against the Jazz in the playoffs a few years ago. Um, You know, if they play Marcus Morris at the five, yeah, he can step out and hit some threes. And and that's always been kind of a weakness for Gobert is is defending guys out at the three-point line. Um, Not – not in the sense that the national media portrays it, because I think he's better at staying in front of guys uh, when they drive from the perimeter than people want to give him credit for. But there are times where it looks like he's he he's not as gung ho about contesting threes as you might want him to be, and maybe that's because he is you know he's he's protecting himself against the drive. Um, but anyway, uh, Marcus Morris is going to hit some threes <laughs> if he's at the five. That, that's just kind of how it goes, but. Gobert should be able to just absolutely dominate them inside. And, and jazz fans know this. That doesn't mean he has to post up and hit hook shots and, and stuff like that. Um, he can feast on offensive boards. If they're going to put Marcus Morris at the five, his role gravity will continue to be a problem. Um, he, he can really dominate the game in a way that very few other big men can because he doesn't have to dominate the ball to dominate the game on offense. So if they do go small, and like you said, I, I think they will go small at a certain point to me that just that just opens up the lane for him he should get plenty of dunks uh plenty of putbacks plenty of alley-oops um you know there's a little bit of onus on his teammates to find him for those opportunities but i i do think he should dominate if the clippers go small i i think that's sort of the next step in in go bears playoff evolution so to speak so you got a long series here are you thinking six or seven games for this I am. I, I think these two teams are very evenly matched. Home court advantage, I think, is is huge. Obviously, the fact that the Jazz locked that up throughout the playoffs is big. Um, and I would I would probably lean them based on that. It's that's sort of the tiebreaker to me, um, because these teams are. I mean, I already talked about how close they are in terms of three point shooting. You know, the Jazz had a little bit more volume than the Clippers, but their accuracy has just been ridiculous. Um, so it's, it's going to be tough to win shootouts with them. And then we just saw how Kawhi Leonard can still find that sort of terminator within himself to completely take over a series. Um, you know, Luka Doncic was all the rage of the first few games of that series. And then it was like Kawhi just flipped a switch and decided we're not losing this. Um, and we've seen that from him 
many times over the course of his career. He basically did that for the entire postseason when the Raptors won the title a couple of years ago. Um, and, and when you look at Utah's roster, they've got solid perimeter defenders. I don't know if they have anybody that can really bother Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, Royce O'Neal is going to give it his all. Um, Joe Ingles will probably get some time on him, although, you know, the other thing about the Clippers is you have to worry about you, we have to have another guy for Paul George, too. Um, and after after Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles, perimeter defense gets kind of small for the Jazz. So there are certainly concerns there. Um, but the, the shooting that Utah has, the backline rim protection with Gobert, um, the way that they move the ball, the fact that they have four or five guys who can go off for 30 points on a given night, um, they have they have a lot of depth. They've got a lot of things working in their favor. Um, you know, I was just thinking about this this morning, a couple weeks ago, and really for most of the season, I thought there's you know five, six, seven teams. I think I could make a reasonable argument for winning it all. I I think I'm maybe down to three, and uh, it looks like the Jazz, the Clippers, and the Nets to me. And maybe maybe my opinion will change again. It seems like a game to game thing in the playoffs. Maybe things will look different after tonight. Um, but right now, it, I, I would put those three teams kind of in their own tier. So if Conley is compromised by injury, how much of a factor do you think that is? I think it's pretty big. Um, Utah has, on the bright side, they've kind of gotten used to playing without him over the last two seasons. He's missed a lot of time um, with the hamstring. And I actually think there are some some slight benefits to those lineups that have Mitchell as sort of your de facto one. Um, you know, if you've, if you've got a little bit more switchability at the two through four with O'Neal, Ingles, and Bogdanovich, I think that could help defensively, especially against a team like the Clippers, who are also kind of, you know, big and switchable through those positions. Um, you can play a little bit differently without him, but there's there's just a steadiness with Conley at the one, and he he looked phenomenal in that series against the Grizzlies up until the injury. Um, his his playmaking was kind of back to the the Memphis level. He he had taken a step back as an assist guy in Utah just because that's the nature of Utah's system. Everybody handles the ball, and so the assists are sort of spread out. Um, but he had to me it looked like he had taken the reins of more possessions than than we'd seen in regular season games. Uh, there against Memphis, and his his shot making has been huge ever since he came to Utah. He's a big part of that three point attack. Um, so not having him, I think, hurts for sure. Uh, but the fact that Utah has kind of prepared itself, uh, whether it wanted to or not, over the last two seasons, I think I think helps a little bit. Um, you know, you'd obviously want your starting point guard there, but if there's a team that's built to withstand one or two losses, it, it's the Jazz. You know, Patrick Beverly makes a really good villain, and I think he enjoys the role. I think he kind of looks forward to it. What kind of a role is he going to have in this series and is going to be big enough that he could be the villain? You know what's interesting about that is I I think you're totally right. He fancies himself the villain, and Mm -hmm. he'll get up into Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, whoever he's asked to guard. Um, It'll be interesting to see how big of a role he has. They they basically took him out of the rotation for parts of that yeah, Maverick didn't, series. He didn't play in Game Seven. Yeah, yeah, and and Reggie Jackson. It's it, this has been an interesting season for me because there have been three or four guys that I thought were cooked 
Um, I can't recall off the top of my head if Reggie Jackson is a former all-star. I don't know if he ever made one in the East, but he was at least a guy who was, you know, close to a 20 point per game score, a couple of those years in Detroit. I I thought he was done. Um, He's reinvented himself with the Clippers. His, his reliability as a three point shooter. I never would have imagined he'd get to this point. He he was just more of a driver to me early in his career. Um, So his, his shooting. And I think the fact that he's a little bit longer then Patrick Beverly made him valuable in that Mavericks series. And I, I would think the same strengths would, would help against the Jazz. But one thing that I've always kind of worried about with Utah for the last couple of years is they, they have a pretty small backcourt. Um, you know, I think after the NBA decided we're not going to list players' heights with their shoes anymore, I, I'm pretty sure Mitchell and Conley are both listed at 6'1". Um, and so maybe this is a series where Patrick Beverly can survive a little bit better because I think one of his problems against Dallas is he's just he's too small to do anything with Luka Doncic and obviously Doncic knew that because he yelled it at him a couple times Um, so if Patrick Beverly's playing I think he has a little bit better chance of staying on the floor against Utah Um, but if they throw out those lineups that have Mitchell at the one and and they force Beverly to switch on to a guy like um, Joe Ingles or or Bojan Bagdanovich he could be punished there too so I'm, I'm curious to see how much of a role he plays. I think Zubats will probably have a bigger role than he did against Dallas too. Um, but like you said, they're going to, they're going to want to go small at some point because that was really successful for them against Dallas. And it's going to be sort of a, <laughs> who can impose their, who can impose their style more on the other. And, and I think Utah has a chance to do that. Well, Andy, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for uh, hopping on and talking a little playoff basketball with us. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, writer. You can read him at Bleacher Report. DJ PK getting you up to speed on all the stuff you missed during this show. An NFL coach passing away. Uh, a guy with strong Utah ties. We will get to that coming up next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The Clippers are a good team, and they're not a terrific matchup for the Jazz. If they play the switching defense, Rudy has to make them pay. And if he does, they've got to stop doing it. And then the blender opens up in the open threes and all that good stuff happens if Rudy makes them adjust. Not the Clippers make the Jazz adjust. Like, what are you going to do against the small ball lineup? Dunk on it. That's the answer. (laughs) Dunk right in its face. That is one of the reasons it would be important for Mike Conley to be involved. Yes. Not that Joe Ingles is bad at it. He can get the ball to Rudy, as we've seen time and time again. But having those play makers on the floor makes that switching defense a little more problematic. It's how you combat it. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. You know, one thing I respect about Kawhi Leonard, man, obviously everybody talks about his two-way ability, which is elite, but his will to win by any means necessary. There were possessions where it was guarding Luka. There were possessions where it was scoring. There were possessions where it was getting offensive rebounds, getting defensive rebounds, box outs. Like, that's what leaders do, and that's what he does for that team, and he does everything, and, you know, that's a, that's a credit to him, and he's going to be a, a tough matchup for us, but we got to go out there and understand we do what we do. It's not just him. You know, they have uh, Paul, they have Marcus, they have Reggie, the guys who can really go. So for us, it's just doing what we do, understanding they're going to be physical, they're going to switch everything, they're going to play that small lineup, but you know, we've we've seen it, and now we gotta go out there and just execute against it. You ready, PK? Donovan Mitchell there, getting everybody ready for game one tonight. By any means necessary. Any means necessary. He will kneecap you if you did you know that's a translation of a phrase used by 
Martitian intellectual Franz Fanon in his 1960 address to the Acura Positive Action Conference, Why We Use Violence? No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Later, it was entered in popular civil rights culture through a speech given by Malcolm X at the Organization of Afro-American Unity during a rally on June 28, 1964. It is generally considered to leave open all available tactics for desired ends, including violence. Donovan well, just said that Kawhi Leonard any wants necessary. any means necessary. I'm, I'm really not expecting Kawhi to start running around punching guys in the face. So Then it's not by any means necessary. Exactly my point. Thank you. <laughs> I think what Donovan was referring to, and I have not spoken to him directly about this. I've never spoken to him directly. Uh, I have, but it's Just been a in, long time. In interview situations. Right, yeah, that's an interview that's situation. The, that, There's no conversation off to the side. It's a group. There's no conversation off to the side. That's not I've happening. had no conversation with Donovan right. Mitchell, nor do I intend to. Unless he wins it all, then I'll invite him over to my house. Well, that should go well. Let me know how that works for you. <laughs> if he wins it all? I think what he was getting at was Kawhi can defend, Kawhi can rebound. No, he took Kawhi it beyond that. Kawhi can score, Kawhi can pass, and Kawhi can turn no. and chirp at his teammates and motivate them. Nice pass for a three-pointer that barely grazed the rim. By any means necessary, man. Thought that was a funny joke until you saw the look on his face. I don't think he was joking with Terrence Mann at that moment. Terrence Mann? Now, he was that famous author in Field of Dreams, was he He was, not? but not yeah. that Terrence oh, okay. Mann. This is not, but I do think that when I hear his name. I do. He's James Earl Jones. Sweet. Give James Earl Jones another line. I want to hear his voice. Did you know that uh, sort of uh, synonyms, by any means necessary, the end justifies the means, by hook or by crook? <laughs> My mom used to say that. I always thought that was a weird expression. By hook or cr- by crook? Yeah. Were you the hook or the crook? I don't have any idea. I could never follow it. I don't know what was going on there. Never follow it? Wow. Nope. You think you would have looked it up at that point? Nope. Not doing it. Jazz, or they have those guys who are going to be doing it by any means necessary? Is that necessary? Yes. To have by any means necessary? I don't think it is for the Jazz. Really? I just think the Jazz have to play their ball game, and they're good to go. Every team has its formula for winning, and it's, some of them may overlap. Some of them may be completely different from the from the opponent, or whatever it might might be. But all of us, every single one of us listening right now, man, woman, child, has watched the Jazz enough, we all know. And we can see it. And I think if they do their thing to the level that they're capable, and basically I think it was Mike Smith said about an hour ago that they just basically have to do their average, do what their numbers show that they consistently do. It's not like they need above. Now, obviously that'll help and the goal would be great if you take it. But whatever your average is, consistently that doesn't mean you are average i'm saying what your average two different things there and i'm not saying play average i'm saying play to your averages they will win i don't think they need that by when i look at any means necessary and he didn't mean necessarily mean it he was just illustrating a point of Kawhi leonard's uh will to win i get what he was saying in the context but when i think at any means necessary it's like almost like desperation I don't think they need to do that. I don't think this is a desperate situation for them. I think they just need yeah. to go in the Clippers, and play the level they're capable, and they'll win a series. The Clippers were in a desperate situation. I mean, what you saw from Kawhi in that last series, he needed to do that. And I just wonder if he can sustain it. Because who 
who averages 30 points a game and shoots 62% from the floor. McCoy did that for a series. Wilt. Right. And that's it. That's the NBA list. (laughs) (laughs) Who's done that in a series? Kawhi and Wilt. So... Back to your so uh, law. Gobert turn into Rudy Gobert. Or back to Wilt, your Go, Gobert, Rudy Gobert, Wilt. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Back to your law of numbers. Yeah. And Joe Ingles so is you, coming off three poor games shooting the ball. You think Kawhi will regress? Is that what you're saying? I don't see how he can sustain what he's doing. But what level of regression? Because he, does he have to sustain that? Yeah. If he scores 25 points a game in this series and shoots 52 percent, do they win the series? Right. So yeah, they might. Where are we going with that? I yeah. mean, you don't know because that. I think to your point about the numbers, if you tell me the Jazz go seventeen of forty from three on average in this series, <laughs> their odds of winning the series are really good. They shoot seventeen for forty. Yeah, what's that percentage? I don't know. You're the math. Well, why'd guy. you pick that out? <laughs> because I those you are had about that in their mind. Those are about their average numbers. I mean, I can find out what seventeen for forty is for you. What I thought you did, you randomly picked that. I thought you had that specifically. The seventeen in your mind. is about what they make. So seventeen and, and threes Locke per has game. often talked about they need to shoot forty threes. Okay, guys, I knew there was a reason. You just didn't randomly pick the numbers. I randomly pick crap. You don't do that. <laughs> Stay in your lane, DJ. Don't start randomly doing stuff. No, I knew you had a reason behind it. All right, so I'm going to be looking forward to that. I mean, not. I mean, looking. With interest. That's 42.5%. And that, as a team, that's a high number. They're probably, that's a really good shooting day. So maybe I should have picked 17 of 45. But I'm just thinking they got to shoot the 43s. You know, if they're not shooting 43s, what's going on in the game? That's interesting to me. I, I always look at the number of made rather than the number attempted. Yes. And I know you can't make them if you don't attempt them. Right. But sometimes if it's not going, I don't want to see them jack quit, it up just when well, we got to jack it up. Right. Well, they got to jack up the right kind of shot. If it's a contested three. That's not a jack up, though. Right. But if it's an open three, don't pass it up. Take it. If you got a catch and shoot open three pointer, uh, if you're okay, if you're favorite, go bear. I don't want to say everyone has to do that because obviously those guys don't. But for most of these guys on the team, if you have an open catch and shoot three, you need to take it. Even if you have a lane to the basket. I think that they will always take a dunk. If you have a lane to the basket to go dunk it, because if you average the, it's a, you know the points per possession, we're getting the analytics is going to drive you nuts. But if you average two points every time you have the ball, they're going to be the champions. You score two hundred points, yeah, right. Uh, they're going to be the champions. Well, so if you have a lane a dunk, if you well, okay, a layup, you don't have to dunk it. Right. But if you have an uncontested layup, you got that lane all the way to the, yeah. Take Unless it. I would disagree if you're feeling it. See, when I say jack it up, it's like. It's there, so I'll take it, uh, but it's not necessarily great, and I'm not hitting that particular game. Everybody knows when sure. player XYZ is feeling it. If you've missed two or three and you got a chance to go get a lap and see the ball go in the hoop and all that stuff, absolutely take it. There's a reason that's a cliche, because there's a lot of truth to it. So I don't necessarily need 47 But again, if threes. you're shooting, if you're getting uh, almost 100 possessions in a game, and you're probably not getting 100, but you're probably getting close to it, if the Jazz are shooting less than 43s, what's gone wrong? Because their offense is designed to get them in those looks, and they've got guys well, they for whom got that's better a good looks shot. And better shots. Like I said, if they get if 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 the Clippers go small, and the Jazz have a chance to get a bunch of layups and dunks, and when you get into the paint, you're more likely to get free throws. Great, nobody's complaining about layups and dunks. Oh, I'm disappointed they got a layup that time down. Oh, I'm really pissed. Gobert got a dunk. Nobody says that. 
If you're getting a steady diet of layups and dunks, then your offense is working. But your offense is built on the fact that once you get a few of them, the other team will do anything they can to take it away because they know they're getting beat if they give up a steady diet of layups and dunks. And that's going to open up the threes, and when they're there, you got to take them. But you're right. If you've got an open lane to the hoop and you got an easy two, go get it. Nothing wrong with that. We see Donovan uh, you know, driving that twisting layup. I mean, not twisting to the degree that Clarkson does it because – Clarkson is incredible in that way. Uh-huh. Conley's floater. His small lineup, underrated in all of this. You know, as Bogey really struggled with the three back in January and February, and he really started going to the hoop mm-hmm. and had back guys down, well, they're going to go small and switch everything. There may be a lot of opportunities for him to do that, get him into the paint and get him to the free throw line. He's a decent enough passer. You know, they've got to put a second guy in them because they're going with that small lineup. So, speaking of? Yes, and so I, just, I don't think Gobert's the only way to punish that small lineup. He's a way, and they'll need to, but Bogey could punish that small lineup inside as well. But be careful with the ball. Yes. There's a tendency to get it slapped away. Yep. Don't, don't give up. Minimize, because you're going to give it up, but minimize as many easy buckets off of turnovers as possible. Yes. Your defense is so good in the half court. It's a crying shame if they get something in transition off a turnover or a long rebound because you're so good when you set up your defense. So don't let them get the, the two-on-one kind of stuff. That's the stuff that's got to go away, whether it's off a long rebound or off a, a, a sloppy turnover. Right. So I don't want that. I want to see the defense set up because the defense is real good. But just play your game, man. Do what you do. Even if it's not working in a particular game, it's probably going to work in the next game. That was what that was Quinn's point Sunday after the Clippers won game seven. Game ended a little after four, I think, and he was on at five o'clock on the Zoom call. Uh, you know, play the odds. They're not always going to work in your favor. But they don't have to always work in your favor. You don't have to sweep the series. You can lose a game. You're good enough to win on the road. If you lose one at home, go win one on the road. If you win two out of three, you win four out of six, you're good to go. You sign off on a six-game series win right now. Take it. Uh, every team would every time. Uh, I think that also, too, the Clippers are just as capable of winning here. Now, if you go with crowd and elevation, intensity, blah, 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 I suppose it's harder. But nevertheless, no team is unbeatable at home right now in the West. Maybe the Nets in the East. But if you lose a home game, okay, you lost Don't panic. It, it sucks. You lost it. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the end of the world. No, because I think you're just... E- either way. Well, since the Jazz started 0-1 in the last series, the Clippers started 0-2, I mean, these guys have had this drilled into them. Sure, now, the Jazz... teams are better, though. Yes, and the Jazz... It would be okay if they won a game one and got ahead in a series. They've lost a lot of game ones. I mean, that's kind of the standard start from. Now, they've opened on the road most of the time. They didn't against the Grizzlies. They did win game one when they, they played the Clippers back in 2017, but I don't know that they've won a game one since then. Well, I can check, check it that. on this, too. While you're checking that, I think that every series this year will open at home. Yes, it will. I don't need to check that. But thanks, is that Coach. true? That is true. That's oh. big news if true. Well, I don't know who won the All-Star game, so I can't... That I, doesn't have anything to do with it. You're now mixing oh, sports. This is not Major League Baseball. You're screwing with people because it's after 9 o'clock. 
I get so confused. I mean, I got so much of watching baseball and everything's going on in my mind. A big thing is when the non-Kawhi Leonard minutes, when Kawhi Leonard sits down, the Jazz bench, better than the Clipper bench, is that why the Clippers play such big minutes? Because Kawhi Leonard played enormous minutes in that last the series. non-Kawhi minutes. Yes! <laughs> Whenever Kawhi sits. Might be an easier way to say that. Probably. But I'm distracted by uh, what looked to me like an obvious balk that didn't get called. Got a guy thrown out at third base. Okay, but uh, can you say, well, when the non-Donovan Mitchell minutes? Yes, I'm sure they're saying that. I'm absolutely sure the Clippers are saying that. But the Jazz have the depth that they've kind of been able to minimize that. To an extent, you, you never I agree, eliminate it. but I mean, you don't have another Donovan Mitchell on your you're ball right. club. You're right. But there have been a lot of times where the bench has you know, been able to go on a run. Now, there have been plenty of times where the bench has been beat. That's too. what's awesome about this and what I am so much looking forward to is Donovan Mitchell now on the biggest stage. Now, this isn't the literal biggest stage, but it's the biggest stage in the second round. And he's got the horses to help him out, too. Because when he got to the second round before... Well, you're going up arguably against the greatest team ever, right? So what are you going to do here? You know, if you can catch a game, good luck for you. But you're not going to win that series. Now, this is the first time that he's gotten to this point where it's legitimate you can win. And I am so eager to see what he can do because I believe in this kid so much. And that's where we were talking earlier about the enthusiasm around town. And does it really peak? Because it's been a long time since the Jazz have been in a second round series with a chance to win. Legitimately, yes. Right. And they've got it now. And I really believe that in 10 days or so, whenever this thing ends, we're going to look back and say, yep, Mitchell, he was all that. Been like 13, 14 years. I mean, they won a second round series 14 years ago and went to the conference final. Beat the Warriors, who are an eight seed. And the next year, the Lakers were really good, and they got him. It's oh, six man. games. It was back when I was a nobody in this field, and now I'm a superstar. And I don't have to worry about you undercutting me every day like I had to then. I always blah, felt blah, I was blah, just blah, on a blah, tryout, blah, blah, blah. and I didn't know if I would actually pass the audition. By 2008, you were good to go. You'd I'm, already quit newspapers. I'm like the Beatles when they were up in uh, that uh, last concert they gave on the rooftop in London. When John said, I'd like to thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. That's the way I felt, because I knew I was the Beatles deep down. Were you Ringo? And see, again, you try to minimize me. John? Nothing's changed. Paul? George? I'm a combination of John and Paul. There you go. (laughs) I'm the best of both. Former Utah football coach Jim Fossil passing away at the age of 71 in Vegas. News that happened yesterday, the news kind of breaking this morning. Giants coach took the Giants to the Super Bowl in 2000, had the famous quote, push the chips to the middle of the table. I'm all in. Well, that's ironic, and then he passed in Vegas. He did. Actually, I think he coached one of those, was it XFL or whatnot? It was one of those leagues. I don't know. And it was the one. Vegas team, wasn't it? Was it was the UFL is what it was called. And it was, was the UFL. Vegas team. Yeah, it was the Vegas franchise or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Died of a heart attack while under sedation after being taken to a local hospital Monday with chest pains. John Fossil told the LA Times. And of course, Jim Fossil was the head coach of the University of Utah from 1985 to 89. Coach Scott Mitchell 
Had a couple of famous games with BYU. Got a win for the first time in a decade. Then BYU came back and won big with Detmer. Throwing the ball all over the place. I don't remember it. That was before our time. We weren't here yet. I've heard about it. Yeah, Oh, yeah, we both heard about it. I wasn't here for it either. So condolences, obviously, to his family and uh, his friends in the community. Sure. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I'm certain there is something in my closet from China, but then again, I'm not the one who's constantly preaching about which lives matter and social injustice while I'm making tens of millions of dollars from Chinese slave labor. That would be Dwayne Wade. DJ PK brought to you in part by Premier Wave. You've heard about acoustic wave therapy for ED and how it's an effective treatment to help nearly all men. There's now a physician-owned clinic here in Salt Lake. Learn how we're unique by visiting premierwave.com for more information and learn and to learn more about our special offer. Kay heard you. Kay did hear. Kay's listening a lot. What was he saying? I didn't. I was watching the game. I didn't have my headphones in. He said, yeah, I probably am wearing clothing from China, but then again, I'm not the one who's preaching constantly about Black Lives Matter. That would be Dwayne Wade. That's what he said. Dwayne Wade constantly preaching about Black Lives Matter? Well, in his mind. Oh. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. I don't know. Time for your feedback. Some of you are using the open mic. Using the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your takes. Josh at PK, you're such a son's homer, and I'm okay with it. Just embrace <laughs> it like your sun devils at David DJ James. Stop judging him, DJ, so he can feel comfortable laughing, crying, head tilted sideways Whoa, emoji. Where are we going? I don't understand that. Who's judging whom? Apparently, I'm judging you for being a Suns fan because I get on you for rooting for the Jazz and the Suns and the Lakers and the Phillies and the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. And the, you claim all the teams for everywhere you've ever lived. Who doesn't? You claim the teams where you live. I don't claim all the teams everywhere I live. Tonight, you have to settle for uh, BYU. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? I don't know. I just have we, We've all forgot the context. <laughs> you talk about the Niners a lot. You talk about the Bay Area a lot. Yeah, but I don't root for them. Not like you do. It's not the same thing. I don't. I think it's exactly the same. I, no, I think you don't root. I think you just play it up on the air, and that's why you get tweets like this. I consider myself a fan of teams that I follow more closely than others. So if I follow you more closely, I'm a fan of your team. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I root for you to win or lose, but I follow you closer. All right, I'm a cougar. Fine, I said it. So that would make me... (laughs) What are you doing? That would make me a fan of the Jazz and the Utes and the Cougars. Uh Uh-huh. And the Aggies when they're doing well and all that. So, yeah, I consider myself a fan of those teams. But I have a different definition of fan. But I am a fan of those teams. And then, of course, if they do well work-wise, it just absolutely. Yeah. I think everybody gets that for our job, though. I don't think there's anybody who looks at us and says, oh, you root for that team because you have some big-time personal interest. I think there's hardcore for both the Utes and Cougars who do that. 
I think that's very, very few. I, I agree. Very that's few. a small I think thing. most folks who listen to us realize we root for the local teams for two reasons. Uh, one is because it's just simply much, much better for business, and that matters. And then the second one, I think they realize because we've been around a long time, we have relationships with guys, and we want to see guys do well. There it is. I think most folks get that. Tyson, hey, the Jazz playoffs, you know, it's definitely not as big as it used to be. I think all the political stuff turned a lot of people off, myself included. And that being said, this season has brought me back into the fold, exclamation point. And see, I think there's a lot of people like that. Because last summer, and the circumstances dictated it as such, it was such a bigger deal. It was so far more pronounced that uh, because of events that happened, Whereas, you know, now it's not the the cause is still just as important, but it's not constantly in your face. I mean, did Mitchell show up and do a Zoom in in a uh, bulletproof vest last year? Am I right about that? Somebody told me about that. I don't remember. In the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, so he's making a point. Yeah. Now, now whether you agree with that point's up to you or not, I don't care. Uh, But he doesn't do that now. In fact, the only brings it up now is if is if he's asked whereas before he was starting stuff and it's now right now it's about basketball and let's hope it stays that way and you know part of the deal last year is somebody got shot while they were in the bubble and that regurgitated the issue again and let's hope that doesn't happen we can't really chant beat la in this series can we Riley, unless everyone suddenly lost their ability to talk, then yes, we can, comma, <laughs> David. Well, well that would probably involve having a stroke, and we certainly don't want that to happen. Man, you just got all <laughs> kinds of negative possibilities out there, but thanks for dismissing them all. Well, isn't that when? We're hoping none of you get shot or have a stroke. Okay. And get behind well, that. Would it sound cheesy, though? Would it sound sophisticated enough? Are you, are you giving the Clippers more benefit and recognition yes. that they deserve by yes. chanting that because that's a legendary tra- chant. Yes. As you said, you had the Boston Celtics fans chanting that in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they're not even playing the Lakers at that point. And it was awesome. Well done by the Celtic fans. It was a way of dismissing the team that was right in front of them. We're done with you. You're beaten. Move along. Run out the clock. Show the last truck ad. Let's get out of here. You're done. Get to the main event, Celtics-Lakers. There will never be a rivalry like Celtics-Lakers-Bird magic. Yeah, the racial component that was involved in that, all those things. It was white and black, East Coast, West Coast. It was small college, big college, and they went and built on 20, 25 years of West and Baylor and Russell and... And on they were down the line. Just one of a kind players, too. Yeah. Sensational players. We've kind of seen that at time where there are two players at the top, but they've never had just the charisma, which Magic Johnson has more of the traditional. Bird's charisma was odd, but he had it. Well, he was like, the hick from French Lick. Yeah. Magic was everybody's buddy. Loved the microphone. Still yeah. does. Right. Very charismatic. 
Do you like his tweet after the Lakers got eliminated? What was it? Rob Polinka's got a lot of work to do. The Lakers really underperformed. Just sticking it to Polinka. I mean, we don't know exactly how that ended. Not all the dirty laundry is aired. <laughs> but, man, that's not a tweet you send out for your best friend. He was sticking it to him. Okay. Well, uh, there's some truth to it. Yeah. I mean, they made the team worse. Now, maybe it's because of the injury to Davis. When Anthony Davis scored 34 points in Game 2 and 34 points in Game 3, they won. won. Yeah, but at the same time, Chris Paul was banged up at those games, too. He was. One other thing to note with Magic is his Twitter feed is Mm -hmm. very, very, like, down the middle. Like, straight states very much the obvious. So it might have not even been him taking a shot, him just saying something just to say something. I didn't think the team was as good as it was last year. And obviously the injury just exasperated the situation to the point they got eliminated in the first round. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're all done. Hans and Scott are next. We'll see you tomorrow.